Hello, all, and welcome to the Fantasy and Sci-Fi Fanatics podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Kubal. Today, I have a very special guest, Nicholas LaRue. Nicholas, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing really well. How are you? Excellent, excellent. I definitely need a haircut, so some people in our audience might know notice. I wish I had that problem. Uh, (laughs) That's why I try not to complain about it. I got to wear the hat because it keeps the glare from the light off. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. I wanted to wear one today, but I was like, it probably looked weird, so I decided not to. But yeah, I know that feeling. Uh, so we're going to start in right with that first question. Uh, what has your writing journey been like up until this point? Short. No, um, no, not at all. No, it's, um, thank you for asking. Yeah. The, uh, it, it started a really long time ago. The first story I ever wrote, I guess would be considered fan fiction. It was, it was in, I was in middle school and I wrote a nightmare on Elm street. Oh, that's cool. Sequel. Uh, you know, that involved, uh, you know, not just Freddy Krueger, but a, a second, you know, kind of demon entity that is very similar to him. I don't, I don't I, I'm hesitant to like even go into it because I'm actually rewriting it. Oh, that's um, cool. You know, and, and if you've ever tried to read and rewrite something you wrote in middle school, <laughs> uh, that is, it's an interesting experience. You know, and then I we had computer classes and, and you know, uh, in the two back in the early PC days of the uh, the early 90s. And, you know, we would be told you could write anything. It's just this is a writing class, uh, you know. And so I used to write stories because I was big into comic books. So I used to in superheroes and stuff. So I used to write stories about a kid who would travel through a portal to some superheroes world. And team up with that superhero, and oh, whatever cool. and whatever superhero he was with, he would gain the powers of that superhero. Oh, that's cool. And so it was kind of like seeing, you know, that superhero's kind of what they do through his eyes, and and then defeating one of their rogues gallery. So you know, so that was middle school. Uh, now you know, um, I, I took a lot of time off after that, um, did some traveling, and uh, then in my mid twenties, I was an IT guy. I was a network engineer for a company and I started, everyone knew I really liked watching movies. And so, you know, someone had the suggestion at one point, Hey, you ever thought about being a film critic? And I said, only every day of my life. (laughs) So I, I went ahead and I started kind of just informally reviewing movies, which led to a friend saying, Hey, do you want to, we just went and saw underworld or some, ridiculous film and and they said you want to go on a pot you want to start a podcast and talk about it i said sure and so one thing kind of led to another led to another led to another which then led to my boss saying uh in 2009 when the market first crashed uh in my, my lifetime um hey we need to let you go so but you have been because i was kind of low man on the totem pole even after being there for years i was still kind of the youngest guy there by 20 years So, you know, my boss, really nice guy, you know, I mean, to me anyway, um, you know, said to me, hey, you know, you, uh, you seem to really like this movie stuff. Um, You know, and this is a guy who was a business owner himself. He said, do you ever think of maybe trying to do this for a living? And I said, yeah. And he goes, well, we're letting you go. So you should go do that. (laughs) And, And he was nicer about it too. He was like, well, here's the deal. Like, we'll make sure like apply for unemployment. He goes, that'll give you a year you know, like to, to really try it out and see if you like it. And I've gotten a lot of advice from other people that said like, you know, if you're going to do something, try it for a little bit of time, see if there's an audience for it. I said, I have a year. 
I have a year to try to see if there's an audience. I have a year to, to write reviews, watch movies, to see if this is something that I either want to or can do for the rest of my life or the foreseeable future. And that lasted 10, that one year lasted 10 years. And in that 10 years, you know, it, it was crazy. I mean, I got to learn a lot about things like influencer marketing and, and, uh, you know, and, 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 uh, you know, the, 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 what you need to do to not only be someone who promotes and is an ally of, of the filmmakers or in your case, authors, um, and, and effectively be able to help people while still also earning enough of money to kind of keep some level of food on the table. And, uh, you know, that it was kind of a really interesting time because that was also when crowdfunding really first started. That's when podcasting became popular. That's when there was a window of opportunity that if you were going to make money on the internet, doing something that wasn't an OnlyFans account, um, <laughs> you could, you could do that and, and, you know, and have some modicum of success. And, I was able to do it. Um, you know, we had, I mean, we reached millions of people. I got to travel all over the country. I got to give speeches on um, film marketing and distribution. I got to meet a bunch of great people, uh, help people with, with their films, uh, not only for promotion, but sometimes behind the scenes stuff, sometimes, you know, whatever. So the writing was kind of the backbone of all of this because, you know, reviewing movie uh, movies and stuff like that, but also, editing and reading other people's reviews because I had people that wrote for the website and stuff as well. And so I got a really good kind of taste of it there. So then uh, I moved to Los Angeles and then I started oh. working for this, for the man, the studio <laughs> system. Um, and I was the head of post-production for a, for a studio. And then there was no time for writing because that was a more than full-time job. Yeah. yeah. Uh, then I, I met my wife, I got married and then we moved for her career from uh, Los Angeles to Tennessee, where I had nothing to do because there's no movies there. I mean, at least no movies getting made. Yeah. And Film Snobbery at that point, which was the website that I ran, had kind of petered out because the with that window that I talked about for like film criticism, stuff like that had kind of closed, at least doing it for a living, it kind of closed. I mean, we're talking very, very post, you know, Roger Ebert post, but the rise of Metacritic and Rotten Tomatoes, and it's just a thumbs up or a thumbs down, oddly enough, Roger Ebert, uh, a thumbs up, <laughs> thumbs down, and that is it. You're either good or you're not. There's no room for intelligent discussion. If, you know, there's no room for anything, it's just everyone has an opinion and apparently everyone's opinion is correct. Otherwise, you know, um, it, it, <laughs> looking at if you look at twitter that's basically every discussion on twitter is how can you see that i'm right um and so uh i i started doing some writing while i was in tennessee particularly when the pandemic hit because i think i'd reached a level of stress where my creativity needed to come out and i had no outlet um the other way that that manifested was i became a woodworker completely the opposite from network engineering and writing. I never, I didn't grow up with a dad. So, I mean, like I never picked up uh, outside of like basic home repairs. I never picked up a hammer in my life, never did anything. And so I took one online class and I learned the best piece of advice in that online class I've heard in terms of simplifying an entire craft, which was, dude, everything you're going to build is a box. It's just some kind of a box and I've looked at it and I, it was like one of those, like, you know, when you can really see the epiphany come, 
yeah, it was absolutely. that. It was it was just you know it was just like oh my god, everything is a box, and to a degree, I mean you know that that's translatable in a lot of different things. You know, I mean, even in writing, I mean writing even if you're writing five thousand words or you're writing a hundred thousand words it still has to have a beginning, a middle, and an end. Even if there's a to be continued at that end, it still has a beginning, a middle, and an end. You still have to tell a complete story. And, and then you just have to play at building that box for your audience and, and, and letting them, you know, letting them kind of run wild within the confines of that box. And so, you know, I, I started writing. And what I started writing was uh, when I was in Tennessee, this was a couple of years, a few years ago, I started writing scripts because I come from the movie world. So why wouldn't I not try my hand at that? And also part of it was a little bit of, uh, you know, people that used to say about critics, you know, oh, you know, those they say about critics, those who can't <laughs> teach and those who can't teach criticize. So um, I wanted to kind of prove not only to myself, but to some of the people that I had met along the way that, you know, not only can I talk the talk, but I can walk the walk a little bit as well. And that turned into, I mean, it just, it, it, it got a ball rolling that has continued till now. And now I live, we moved from Tennessee to Boston or to the Massachusetts area. And, uh, and, and now, you know, I, I just put out, I just put out a book. It's a novella called Saving Hitler. And then I have written another book, which I adapted from a series of scripts that I wrote I have, uh, that's being edited. And then I have a, another book that I'm about three quarters of the way finished along with three short stories that I've also done. So in terms of writing, it was very nothing, 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 <laughs> everything. And so that's kind of where we're at now with that. I definitely, definitely understand that feeling of like nothing, nothing, nothing. And then write like, um, it's funny that you said, like, I just laughed so hard when you said, um, you know, having to rewrite something from middle school um so it's basically what i had to do i had an idea for middle school that was essentially fan fiction for forgotten realms because at that time um oh like 2000 and you know whatever up until i think 2006 tsr was still doing like the um you could submit a book idea and then if they liked it they would yeah they would hire you uh so yeah so i worked for like six or seven years and then unfortunately you know like college came and you know, I got distracted, but in college, I took this old idea of Forgotten Realms, made my own fantasy world. I wanted to be an illustrator originally, so I was drawing a lot, and I had drawn my own characters and own races and things, and um, I came up with this world, and I did this great book. Uh, it was like a, a, a ABC book, um, and then, yeah, like had all my own characters, like 26 of them. I did writing for all these characters, so then I actually let it sit, so I had evolved that Forgotten Realms idea, and change some names and things. And then later on, like probably about, I think it was right when we moved back um, up this way from Arizona where I met my wife about seven years ago, I was like, I'm gonna redo this idea. And I added a lot of philosophical things and stuff. But yeah, it's, mm -hmm. it became really hard to, uh, to look at the middle school stuff and to, <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause I had, even oh, when yeah. I wasn't writing I had different ideas, you know, it's like, yeah. it was so, it was painful. Like it was like- Oh, crazy. you almost wanna go like, honey, look what this idiot wrote. I okay, did. I told my wife. Me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Her yeah, no, like, <laughs> they're like, there were some cool ideas here. I'm like, there were, but I'm like, not as 
developed but yeah you could definitely tell like as yeah, it, it was difficult well i mean i mean i think that's where life experience comes in I yeah mean, i think yeah. That when you're young creativity to a degree comes so easily and and you know your mind will automatically go to these things and they'll create those worlds and they'll take these you know even if they're just based on things that you already love and taking them to another level and it's it's no different than playing with action figures or or building with legos when you're a kid or anything like that it's it's just world building that kids are just really really good at the problem is that they lack the life experience to add nuance and to add any sort of actual logic to the world building you know it's just like it's just like yeah that guy absolutely is breathing air in space there's no air in space yeah but he's breathing in space okay you know like <laughs> you know, with a kid you just go with it you know yeah. but i i mean i've already literally been you know i I've, I'll, I'll give a short story to someone to edit and they'll be like yeah that's not what this is and i'm like <laughs> it is though because that's what i said it is like yeah but like the reality is that that doesn't work and i'm like but this is science fiction. It yeah. can work in any way I decide it will. Yeah, you're like, yeah, yeah, but and I'm like, okay, I, I know what you're saying. You're trying to apply logic. And I think that I, I mean, almost actually going against my own argument here, which is age gives you some level of idea of logic, things coming to a logical conclusion uh, and basics of things like science and stuff like that, that you apply to things to make them more believable versus the completely unbelievable things that you can do as a child because no yeah. one cares or no yeah. one really tells you you can't yeah, yeah you know so yeah well it's interesting that you say it because like i'm thinking of you know like i had some people talking about that in terms of you know different um you know like i forget the author now um but it was one of the forgotten realm. oh uh troy denning wrote this great uh creating your own creatures book and monsters and so i've been going back through it again so i'm trying to finish it up this summer to reread it but um especially with these current zombies that I'm writing about, I kind of want them to be more like a, um, more like a fungi or amoeba type thing, you know, where they have more of a colony type of mind, uh, mm-hmm. almost to like a mixture of like, uh, like a wolf pack sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. But it's like, you know, and I had somebody that like, well, that's not realistic. And I'm like, listen, I'm like, you're talking about zombies here, not being realistic. And I'm like, yeah. you have creatures at the bottom of the ocean that are not supposed to be able to live because they're so close to the Mariana Trench and, you know, volcanic ash and stuff. I said, but they, that exists. But I said, your problem is with zombies and different aliens I create. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. So yeah, Yeah. I definitely understand that. It's like, you kind of scratch your head after a while. You're like, this is fantasy, horror, sci-fi. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> like this is yeah. If this was non, if we were writing nonfiction yeah, and totally. there was an inaccuracy there, like I can totally take my ego and put it to the side for a minute and yeah. go, you're absolutely right. This needs to be correct. Yeah, but yeah. you know, it's like, I'm building this world in my head. And even if that world has a basis of in the real world, you know, like I get it. It was funny. Like I, I, I did an interview a couple of days ago and someone said, wait a minute, you're going to kill Hitler, but that'll create a paradox. And I'm like, yeah, except it doesn't. You know? So, you know, it, it's just like, well, why? Well, because I don't need it to like, I, you know, what, what if I needed to create a paradox and it's, and it's, it's essential for the plot, then absolutely. Like that's what will happen. But in this case, I, you know, and I address it. I said, I said, I actually said that in the book where like, no, there's people that monitor that shit. So you don't have to worry about, you know, yeah, yeah. whatever. So yeah. well, it's like, um, I just, I'm ha- about, I'm going to finish tonight. I'm about halfway through with Ryan Reynolds. Um, oh, uh, the Adam project. 
and mm-hmm. his younger self so he meets his younger self right his younger self says he's like you're gonna create a a paradox he's like no no i'm not and like they didn't really explain it but ryan reynolds just has this like funny couple of lines where like it kind of does explain it and it kind of just like shuts him down but also shuts you down effectively in the writing to you not really thinking about it after that you just have yeah. fun because that's what the the whole movie's about it's like he comes back in a time and meets his past self and they have an adventure and it's like i mean it set the i i felt like just that one scene set the precedent very well you know where yeah. you know what i mean it's like okay here this is what we're doing if you don't like it shut it off if you don't mind it let's yeah. go and have some fun like it was like it was i think that most people most people when it comes down to time travel they're either in one of two camps right they're in back to the future or they're in terminator and you know and, it, and, and very rarely do they Ex- does, does they allow anything to exist outside of those two kind yep. of common ground kind of and things? The Back to the Future people drive me nuts though, because in the Back to the Future three, all he has, all Marty has to do is go to the the mine where the other Delorean is, because uh, effectively, because of their rules in Back to the Future and their world building for their you know whatever um, their type of time travel and their physics, yep. they he the the other time machine is just chilling with the gas. And the parts that they need. So all they have to do is go and dynamite like he did. I'm like, it's still there. And the parts yep. are still there. And I'm like, done. Movie's done in 15 minutes. Like, <laughs> Well, it, it, it's weird because the one time travel movie that a lot of people don't reference as much, but it's, it's just as popular, that blows the logic of all time travel movies away is Bill and Ted. Because oh, Bill yeah. and Ted set the precedent of, if I just say or think that this is what's going to happen next... It will happen if I say that there's a key hiding behind that rock to get those guys out of jail. It's already there behind the rock. I just have to remember that I did that before. Yeah. And yeah. you know, like, oh, yeah, no, because we're gonna after this, we're gonna go back in time. We're gonna do that, and then this is gonna happen. And then they have the the Deus Ex Machina, whatever they need yeah. to do the thing. Like, it's the equivalent of the Doctor, uh, the Doctor Who sonic screwdriver at that point. Like, yeah. it will, like, whatever we need to do will be solved by this one thing. And they've used it, it like to some degree in almost every movie yeah. to kind of get out of whatever jam they've actually been in. I always forget about that one. <laughs> Most people do. Yeah. Yeah. That one was fun. I haven't seen the newest one. <laughs> I really need to, but <laughs> I love those growing up. Um, yeah. And now I'm going to have to go watch it later. <laughs> um, not, <laughs> not a bad thing, but uh, so for that second one, so what genres do you currently write in right now? Okay, so uh, Saving Hitler is a time travel adventure comedy. That's awesome. I guess science fiction would be thrown in there a little bit considering the time travel aspect of it and, you know, some of the uh, the more sciencey and fiction aspects of it. Um, Down and Down Under, which is the one that's kind of loosely based on my own life, that's more of a new adult fiction, just general fiction, I guess. Um, and then, so then I have another one called Hidden Talent that also would be considered kind of new adult fiction. I have two short stories available on Kindle Vela right now. Those are, one is, I, one has been to- told to me that it is technically fan fiction because it involves characters that were previously created. I was like, okay, uh, whatever, I'll, I'll play along. And then the other one's horror, like a more of a psychological horror so with a little bit of a sci-fi bent in it. Um, the, I have another one that I just finished that I'm getting, I have to get it edited, uh, but that'll go up on Vela as well. That one's called Susto. And that one is a whole, like straight up horror, oh, that's cool. um, which also has some LGBT themes in it as well. So oh, cool. 
you know, I try to, you know, I try to try my hand at a little bit of everything for multiple reasons. Number one, I think that when you're a newer writer, even if you're someone who has written your entire life, you know, to some degree, right? Like I, we've all written papers for college or school or whatever, you know, a lot of us out there write blog posts, whether it's for us or for someone else. I actually do freelance work and I've done freelance, like write copywriting and stuff like that for other companies oh, cool. and stuff like that. So I, I've written about everything from, you know, biotech and engineering stuff all the way to just like hiring personal bodyguards, you know, like it's stuff I have no skin in the game on. <laughs> um, but I find that it's really important to challenge yourself to write as many different things as possible, because number one, you might not know what you're really good at. Yeah. You might not know what you're, you might really enjoy. You might not know what your audience will react to as well, because there's a business aspect to that as, you know, as part of it, which is you have to find who your audience is and are they following you because they like you as a writer or are they following you because they like what you write mm -hmm. and i think that you know there are some people that can do both of those things at a, at a very i mean at the highest level you're looking at guys like stephen king people follow stephen king because they like what he has to say as a person they like who he is as a writer they like the work and the adaptations of his work that have come out of it so you know i think at the highest level you're there now if we're talking this is a house and he's at the top he's in the master bedroom I am three streets away. So uh, in <laughs> right next, next to my house. <laughs> yeah. Next to your house. We're neighbors now. Uh, no. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a, um, you know, I've got a long way to go before I, I, I kind of get there, but you know, you have to, you have to kind of, you know, play around and experiment a little bit to see what works best for you in your writing style. I found that like, I'm really strong with dialogue, but I'm, absolutely dog crap at you know uh scene description you know and and a lot of that comes from screenwriting because in screenwriting you just have to tell me is it day or night and what yep. room are we in yep. and then there's someone else's entire job is yeah, to yeah. bring that to some level of reality so or you even know, like costuming that, yeah. exactly yeah. so you know i found that i have a really hard time you know creating I, I'll give you an entire book worth of dialogue that doesn't, that comes very easily. But then if you ask me to put in 15,000 words of description, well, suddenly I'm just, I fall, I, I don't fall apart, but like, I find it to be much more difficult. And also I'm a real proponent, despite how I speak, <laughs> because I'm really verbose, but like, um, I'm a real big proponent of like, I, I just want the guy to get there, the guy, the girl, the, the protagonist, the antagonist, whoever, I just want him to get from point A to point B. I don't give a shit how crap, whatever, how they got there. I only cared that they got there. And yeah. because that is what advances the plot along, yeah. not the, not the 20 minute description of every tree they passed <laughs> on the way there, you know, um, you know, and, and, and it's, and here's the thing. I absolutely revere people that can do that and do it in an entertaining manner i mean let's be honest tolkien made an entire career out of people walking yep and 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 the description of the things they saw along the way you know i mean so i i kind of i have a lot of respect for people that can do that in an interesting manner that'll keep you like really like going i'm not that person i'm the person who like my plot and my pacing, I hope, tends to go very quickly. The downside of that is that 
I don't know if I may even ever write a hundred thousand word book because I tend to want to get you to that, the, that, that satisfying ending yeah. far sooner than I think a lot of people want to. No, I think that makes sense. I, so I'm thinking, I I'm thinking of like, uh, like R.A. Salvatore is one of those who were like, he could write a fight scene, a description, like, I don't care what he writes. Like he could write about his day or one of my friends said he could write about paint drying or grass growing and make it sound exquisite, you know? And I'm like, I'm just not that way. <laughs> I like, I like that kind of, you know, I think Patrick Rothfuss type of writing and stuff, but it's like, I'm just, I'm more of a Brandon Sanderson, like get in, get out. And like you, like, I, I, I don't think I, I was just talking to my buddy about this. I don't know if I can get to a hundred thousand words in one book. Cause again, like you said, like I, I actually like more of the forgotten realms, you know, the dragon Lance, like the, like yeah. 550 pages about as far as I'll go. Cause then I want to get to the, you know, the next part of the story. So I definitely understand well, and, that. And that also goes to the point of like, if I'm going to write a hundred thousand words, shit, someone has to read a hundred thousand words. Yeah, yeah. And, and is that going to be, is this entertaining enough for someone to, for someone to subsist on for what the week or two weeks or a month or however long it takes them to read. And so, you know, cause you want the person to, it's not, I guess this is the, a, a quality versus quantity conversation oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. to some degree, you know, like what you don't want is you don't want them to, you know, to, you want them to get what they're paying for, especially yeah. if you're going to charge. And I've seen it, you know, on the self-publishing market, you know, on a paperback, I've seen it from $2.99. I've seen it all the way up to like 20 bucks for a paperback. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I get it. It's self-publishing and, and, you know, like there's costs involved and there's things that, you know, whatever in this, if this is what you're doing for a living, whatever, but like you want people to get what they're paying for, yeah. but at the same time, isn't what they're paying for the friends we made along the way. No, um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I, I just kind of feel like I want you to get, I want you to have this adventure and I want you to come along with me on this adventure. But at the same time, I, I don't want to bloat it for bloat's sake. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, cause like, um, Oh, uh, I just, I read a book recently. I, I won't say who, but um, I read a book recently. My buddy and I were book clubbing. Um, I guess like now everybody's going to know anyway, cause I've been talking about it, but uh, you know, like I just feel like there are certain epic fantasy authors where I'm just like, you literally could have been 75,000 words and could have been done. It could have been a much better story. And like, I, we got to one recently, which we're going to finish up tonight talking about. And it's like, I just felt like the ending was not quite there. And we had just said last week, you know, with like probably about, mm, I'd say, you know, 38 pages left. And we're like, how are you going to get all this stuff done? And, you know, in this book. And, you know, there were a lot of things that were, were left undone, unsaid. A lot of things were stitched together. And I was like, I don't know, you know, I don't know. I just, I did not feel fulfilled. Uh, so that's where I yeah. went and read my private book with Will White. And I was like, that ending made me feel so fulfilled for the Black Flame. Uh, or sorry, Black Flame, where I was like, okay, cool. You know, and I'm like, I just feel like, you know, that's why I usually don't read epic fantasy. Uh, I'm not saying it's the whole genre, but there are certain authors that I don't read as much because, you know, again, you get through all this time and, you know, you know, I don't know. I just, I said to my friend, I said, I think we need to be more you know selective on how we're picking epic fantasy books in the future um you know because again that, that's a long time for him and me it's like we meet every sunday it's like you know it's about a 100 125 words every week and it's like you know we we have other stuff we want to get to and I, with this book that we just got done with i i really enjoyed getting there but i felt like the ending wasn't quite there and again it was like 100 you know probably about 100 
thousand words almost exactly or 95,000. And I was just yeah. like, see, that's what I'm afraid of as a writer is like getting to that point and building up so great. And then, and then I guess, uh, pulling a dark tower, you know, for the last book where, you know, people just didn't feel quite fulfilled. So I haven't yeah. gotten there yet and I'm going to get there because I love Stephen King. But, you know, the great part about writing on, and to that degree though, is like, and, and you hope that people will continue, uh, following you is that that there's and I, I've kind of adopted this a bit of a mantra when I you know even when I'm I'm selling you know any of the stuff that I write which is well if you don't like this one that's okay just wait I'll eventually write something you do like yeah and you know I mean you and, and the the great part about um self-publishing because I'm not traditionally published yet but I'm working on that I have down and down unders you know out for querying right now for both agents and publishers and stuff like that um and and I think that hidden talent if I'm, if I'm, uh, if what other people are saying so far is any indication, I think hidden talent might be the one that gets me wrapped. So oh, cool. fingers crossed on that one. Like I, there's everyone saying like, not only is it, it's really, they're, they're saying it's well-written. I'm not saying that. Um, they're saying it's well-written, but also it's one of the more, more it's the, mo, uh, out of everything I've written so far, it's the most marketable. So, and so that, that's a, that's something that I'm, I'm kind of excited to finish so that, you know, I can start that process with that. Yeah, yeah. But until then you got to work with what you have. Yeah. Um, but, but the idea of like, you know, will you let people down and, and should you be afraid of that? I think that there's a level of fear in almost every writer, anytime we go to release anything, you know, and I, there's always that disappointment, that nagging feeling in the back of your head that is that imposter syndrome or that whatever, just like it's not good enough. And, you know, because you're holding yourself up to whatever you're into, whether it's Stephen King or whether it's, you know, um, freaking Mark Twain or, you know, <laughs> or Bronte, you know, Bronte sisters or whether it's, you know, Sylvia Platt or whether it's, you know, like uh, whether you're going modern, classic, whatever, like you can only write you and so you know and, and when you're giving that out to someone what you're really afraid of is that you're giving a piece of yourself to strangers and you're afraid of the rejection and it's the same thing of like well what if I go ask out the pretty girl or guy or whomever you're interested in and you know people say you know what if they say no well but then someone won't you know, and, um, and I'm proof positive because eventually I got married. So, <laughs> <laughs> so someone said yes, eventually. So, um, but I mean, I had to bribe her with comic books, but still, um, <laughs> sweet, sweet comic book money. You know, um, <laughs> I like that. Uh, you yeah. should get a t-shirt. She married me for my comic book money. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's funny though, because it's just funny that you mentioned that. Because I was just thinking yesterday, I was listening to um, a podcast that you know I had done with somebody recently, and I was like, I said to my wife, I said, I think there's something wrong with me. She goes, What do you mean? I said, I know that my writing is not where I want it to be. I said, but once I get, I'm taking the summer off to finish up uh, two different books, um, and I'm like, I. I'm going to try to rapid release like three or four. And like you said, you know, you want to have like, before you start recording, you want to have, you know, multiple, you know, stokes in the fire, so to speak. And yeah. I, I'm trying to do historical urban fantasy an urban fantasy, but like each book ones, and then my own fantasy world for book one. And then I'd also like to do a book one for um, my sci-fi. I have a couple of sci-fi ideas if I can get it going, but um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I guess at this point, I'm just like, I've talked to so many people who 
have been let down or whatever that I'm just like, I'm just going to put my books out there. And I honestly really don't, I guess it's kind of bad now, but I'm getting to the point where I just don't care if, you know, like I, I'm not afraid of rejection. I, and I guess I'm one of those not people. Not caring where... is the best <laughs> thing feeling of all time. Yeah. yeah. Oh. And I think yeah. it's like with like asking people out, right? Like for years, like uh, I, I got great advice from my uncle when I was in middle school and I had this girl I had a crush on. He's like, the worst she's going to say is say no. And then you're going to move on and have to ask somebody else. He's like, otherwise you can just be lonely your whole life. And he's like, all she's going to do is say no. He's like, it's not that big of a deal. He goes, it's not going to feel great for a while. He's like, but you know, it's like anything else. And I, yeah. it was just such great advice. And I asked her and she said, yes. And, you know, and after that, like, you, you know, throughout my life, I was always like, well, I'm, I was always thinking to myself, like, if I don't ask, I will never know. And yeah. I want to know. And, you know, I, that's how I left, did my whole adult life. And I feel like at this point, like I, the other day was thinking, I feel like it's kind of how it is with my writing too, is I'm like, you know, I know that not everybody's going to enjoy it. I know everybody's not going to enjoy the story. Um, not everybody enjoys, you know, Stephen King, Patrick Rutherford, Brandon Sanderson, but yeah. there are a lot of people that do, you know, and I feel like it's not those, it's just like my wife, right? Like I had to ask enough, you know, and figure it out enough to get to her. And I feel it's the same way with my audience is like, it'll be a long road. I know it's going to be, particularly if I want to do indie and, but I, you know, I also really want to do it because I feel it could be beneficial. I feel like it's my community and you know, I feel like eventually I will find those people, you know, mm. just like I found my wife. And I just feel like, you know, if you think of it that way, you know, and, you know, not that you should be praised for rejection, but it's like, you know, there's just not everybody's going to like your stuff. I just read an author on Twitter the other day who I think is amazing. And she was like, oh, I got my one star, first one star review. And I'm like, cool. But how many five stars have you gotten? You know, mine's one of yeah. them, you know, and I'm like, I'm like, I talk to people all the time. I read these. I'm like, that could have been somebody where it was like their first fantasy or sci-fi book, or they just didn't jive with your writing style. But I'm like, you, you need to go to the people that, you know, do enjoy your stuff. And I like how you said that earlier is, you know, you have to find your, your people, you know, your community. Yeah. And I think that's totally true. So, you know, and, and I, I think that there's, I mean, yeah, there's, I, I think expectations play a lot into disappointment. Yes, and I yes. said this, I said this in a, the, I was on a podcast like a couple hours ago. So I said it to them, which is also, you know, cause it was a round table kind of thing. And I said, I said the, the secret to life, to having a happy life is low expectations. And I, I actually kind of got, I, I believe it or not, it was a comedian that uh, it was Kyle Kinane. Oh yeah. He did yeah, a, yeah. He did a, yeah, he did. He did a, a little thing in one of his sets, and I can't remember off what album it's on or what special or whatever. But he basically said that, um, like, uh, he goes, "I believe in mir something to the tune of like, I believe in miracles, and you know, because miracles could be anything depending on your expectations." Yep. He goes, "I somehow burnt laundry once," and he goes, "That that to me was a miracle," <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. So, and then you know, to the other side of that too, in terms of you know, I especially find this to be true with collaboration you know, is I am not a person to tend to ask why. Well, why are we going to do that? Why are we going to do, you know, unless it's like a logic-based question in terms, and I, usually I'll, I'll do this more in business than anything creative. With, with business, I ask why a lot. <laughs> but creatively speaking, my attitude is generally why ask why when I could ask why not? And that that is, is tends to be more of my mantra because I think that, and I'm not saying like you need to be a yes man or a yes woman or a person, but what I am saying is like 
there there are too few people i think in other in creative people's worlds so you know probably too few people in your world that when you say i want to write a book just to go yeah why not why wouldn't you do that like that sounds like a great idea like how can i help like there's not a lot of people that will do that and stand by people like that because they're too worried about things like, well, how will you pay the rent with that? And mm-hmm. how will is this, what is, what is your ultimate goal? Is this, why, why are you going to do blah, blah, blah? Like, okay, screw all of that. Let's worry about that later. That is what I like to say is that's future Nick's problem. Yeah. yeah. So President <laughs> Nick wants to write a book and all he wants to hear right now is why shouldn't we do that? You know, it's not like, and also it's like, I'm saying, I want to write a book. I'm not saying I'm going to go out and smoke meth, you yeah, know, yeah. Like, Lava bank, you know yeah. like I, I, I think there's a, you know, a bit of a, just, you know, a discernment that needs to be made here on like, what the hell the expectation of what I'm trying to do is, you know, and again, it kind of goes back to managing expectations. Um, but yeah, I, I think that it, it's far better to be positive about, you know, a creative endeavor to see where it goes. You know, I explained to my wife, you know, a lot because she's, she works more on a business end. So it's more left brain versus right brain. And I tell her, you know, I, I gotta go down and I gotta write and I'll be down here for three, you know, three, four hours. And you know, what did you do? I played video games for three hours and I wrote for one, <laughs> but that one hour that I wrote was really good. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and so to have to, you know, why did you do that? Well, because I'm building utopian societies in my head, Ange, and I need to, you know, I, I need time for all that to marinate. And, you know, so, but I feel like a lot of people want to put constraints on creativity and oh, yeah, expression yeah. creativity. And, and, you know, I, I think if you, you kind of keep, I think if you ask more like, why not, why don't we do that? What, you know, you'll get better contributions of that. And then, after the fact we can figure out you know once the creativity part is done we can figure out what's the next step yeah no i think it makes total sense i you know that's like um i rambled a little at the end there no 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 <laughs> i no, I, I just totally agree because i you know i talk about you know i buy, buy books like that you know like all the time and um you know like i buy a lot of books and do i have time to read them all no but even like book covers that i have um you know blurbs that you know i've bought books for like i'll go back and look at um you know even sometimes just the the way that they do their title you know makes me think of something and i keep i always tell my mom she's like oh you have enough books you know my wife says <laughs> i say listen i said i guarantee you that at some point i'm going to sell enough books that it's going to cover the cost of all the books i bought in my entire life and then yeah. some and you know because i consider them my investments you know and yeah. I can sit, you know, not that I'm going to make money off of those, but and I, theoretically they're a write-off because <laughs> if you're a writer and you're self-employed in any way, um, yeah, I mean that, which yep. is a completely different conversation of like, oh, yeah, yeah. I set up an LLC so that I can make sure that there's no question in, at all about when I write something off for either my woodworking business or for my book writing that, you know, like I'm a, I'm gonna get a piece back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I mean, I just think it makes total sense. That's like my buddy and I talked about doing the same thing for, you know, eventually for, um, you know, for like the podcast for like going places and stuff, um, you know, to cons and stuff. And he's like, yeah, what are you going to write it off at the end? He's like, it's a business expense. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's true. I'm like, cause you're literally just going, you know, to meet people and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, I definitely agree. I think, uh, you know, I, but it is like, it is interesting, you know, where like, even like my miniatures, you know, for D and D, you know, for years, like I'll look at those and some of those have given me some of my best writing ideas ever, you know, and yeah. I just consider those things or maybe some of the video games I played or 
like Icewind Dale too. I went back to Icewind Dale too recently and that's just given me like such great ideas, um, you know, and I'm like, oh, I really like this or that. And I just think that all that goes into, like you were saying, you know, into your writing experience because yeah. it's all stuff. I mean, sometimes the, the best way to figure out your own world is to play in someone else's for yep. a while, Yep. you know? And yeah, totally. uh, yeah. Oh, and, and to your own uh, credit, you'll, uh, the one part you'll get a real kick out of is once you get big enough in what you're doing that you won't have to worry anymore about setting money aside to go to places or writing stuff off because they'll just pay for you to do it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and I say that based on personal experience and uh, that, that, that's when, you know, like, Oh, the, 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 the coin is flipped. You know, the tide has <laughs> turned. Yeah. What's well, like, like, you I've know, been like, hoisting on my own petard. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the last couple of weeks. Like, you know, I was like, Oh, I was like getting kind of, things were getting kind of stale and, I was like, well, I just enjoy talking to people, you know, and um, and then all of a sudden, you know, I had some great opportunities pop up and I was, it, they were like within three days of each other. And yeah. I was like, dang. And I, I said to my friend, he goes, well, you've only been doing this for, you know, less than six months. He goes, can you imagine two years from now? You know, yeah. like it's just, he goes, or even this time next year, you know, like who, who's then going to come to you? You know, he goes, you don't have a big audience right now. You know, maybe like, you know, on average, like 25 per whatever on YouTube. And then it was maybe like 45 per, you know, whatever. But I actually had a, an author the other day where I asked them to be on um, here in a couple months. And I, they, they were uh, a finalist um, for the SPFBO. Uh, and they were like, oh, yeah, I would love to be on. They're like, I've listened to so many of your episodes. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, what? Like, that alone, like, made all the extra time and, you know, energy worth it. Like, that was just pretty cool. So... I absolutely, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It carry, it, it'll carry, I mean, literally that will carry you through another month of where yeah, you're yeah. feeling like there's not much going on. And then you'll remember that and you go, oh yeah, that did happen. And yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I completely agree with that. Yeah, I, I'll, uh, yeah, I have, I have a very similar and interesting story and I don't know if it's good to tell on the air because of who it <laughs> involves, but I'll tell you about it later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's awesome. It is very similar to that. That's cool. But uh, yeah, so I, Back over to you, pal. <laughs> uh, it's just funny. Sometimes I get people on. It's like they just say exactly what happened. It's like the fourth person where it's like stuff happened to me this week. So it's funny that it just keeps happening to me where people keep bringing up things. And it's like something I thought about or happened. And it's like, I don't know if it's like serendipity or just like <laughs> what it is. Consciousness yeah, that too. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's just what yeah. uh, Christopher uh, G. Brenning said the other day in our second interview. Um, so I'm really interested in this. Uh, so what is your short story saving Hitler about and how did you come up with that idea? That just sounds awesome. Oh yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it, it was in the shower, um, as all good ideas come from, uh, it's either on the shower or on the toilet. Right. I mean, I shovel I'm snow <laughs> every time yeah. I shovel snow, I get a great idea. Like yesterday, I'm like, I hate snow. I hate shoveling, but I always get a great idea. It's like, it's crazy. I think it's anything where your brain is distracted by something else and that allows it to kind of just like something to come in there and, you know, go nuts. So uh, Saving Hitler is, um, is a a time travel adventure comedy novella about that answers the question, the age old party question of if you could go back in time and kill Hitler, would you? (laughs) And so this particular book, uh, 
um, I almost said stars, like it's a, you know, um, there has a, the, the protagonist works for the a thing. government agency, <laughs> the, the protagonist works for a government agency that their job is to go to various points in time and do things for the betterment of the, the present. And oh, so, cool. you know, fix things or whatever. And this one, this guy literally gets, he gets a sheet of paper. This is his mission. Find Hitler, kill Hitler. He doesn't even get, it doesn't even say Adolf Hitler. Like he knew, you know, like, like how many other Hitlers could they possibly be referring yeah, to? Yeah. You know what I mean? So he goes back in time to kill Hitler and he messes up. Some other stuff happens and he creates a, a future time for time stream that is like the Holocaust times 10. Oh, geez. So he, he really screws things up and now he has to figure out how to get, not only get back in time, again but then you know to, to to fix it but then he's got to fix it and then go back to the present make sure everything's good and all that um hijinks ensue and not everything goes off as planned and he uh you know by the end i mean and as we can all tell right because this is real life so everything <laughs> turned out fine everything turned out just fine um but uh you know it, it does it, it, i wanted to answer that that party question of like you know what that or but what i did find is that number one people really get stuck on that title um yeah. number two <laughs> that people want to then go like well what if it's baby hitler okay but it's not baby hitler and i address that in the book too um you know or oh well what if it creates paradox i'm like i love all the discussion we're having about this but have you read it yet um, yeah. <laughs> read it so, and reviewed uh, it yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I, um, you know, the, one of the, the funnier things that happened to me was I got in a Twitter exchange with a troll who was just like, well, what Hitler are you talking about? And I'm like, I could tell <laughs> by the person's account and stuff, obviously, you know, they, they were trying to goad me on into some stuff. I'm like, screw it. I'll play. Let's play. You know, cause I'm a fun, I'm fun dad. Let's go. Um, <laughs> So I said, you know, I'll go ahead. Let's play. So, um, you know, I said, it's, it's, yeah, that Hitler. He goes, no, no, what Hitler? I said, Adolf Hitler. He goes, probably shouldn't save him. I'm like, correct, correct. That's kind of what the book is about, you know? Um, to read the book. Goes, yeah, but it's called Saving Hitler. And I'm like, correct, correct. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like, I'm just trying to play into it. And, and it just turned into a whole like thing. And then what happened was, I found out later, like, his account got banned. And then he tried to create another account and go, and engage with me again under a different name and i'm just like i'm like part of me was just like what in the world and the other part of me is like i got my first troll yeah, like yeah. not for nothing you made I, got it. Other, I got a whole other twitter account with one hundred and forty thousand followers not one goddamn troll okay so i put out <laughs> one thing this is hitler and i got a troll i'm in i've made it so you know i i i was just really kind of like it, it you know I, I wanted to create something that would be a conversation piece. Um, but also it's the first book in a planned anthology series. Oh, that's so cool. I, what I wanted to do is I wanted to have the story about this guy, his job is to go back and, and kill Hitler. But what, I'm also what I've also introduced in the book is the idea that there is this time agency that is filled with all these different departments. And the way I've explained it before was, and I, they've already kind of did this to a degree and I like how they did it, was you think about Star Trek, right? There's all the guys on the bridge and they go on, they do the away missions and they're all talking to aliens and kirking around and doing all that. Right. And then there's the guys down in engineering and they're just trying to keep stuff together. 
They're just trying to keep that ship from blowing up because every time they turn around, someone's <laughs> taking a hit to the deflector shields. Yep. You know, that if the is about to blow, you know, all of that. <laughs> so, you know, so in one book, I feel like you can get an engineering perspective, uh, so to speak. Another, you know, book you can get, uh, I, I, I have a, 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 an area of expertise where there's a, a group of people that their job is to go back and gather intel on where the subjects are going to be and the time frame to make sure that the clothing is right and you know put in a safe house you know or, or that's the like because one of the things that always bothers me about time travel is like people go back in time and they have no resources yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and part of that is like you know like i get it because it can create drama and stuff like that but what if you basically created a James Bond situation where your guy goes back in time, in time, but he's got Q, you know? So like he has access to a safe house and money and weapons and all of this. Part of that is also because it helps explain and move the story along a little bit better. So I'm not giving him as many obstacles, which yeah, yeah. probably yes, would be better for a hundred thousand word thing, but this isn't that. Um, you know, I wanted him to get in, I wanted him to kill Hitler, and I wanted him to, you know, move forward. So, you know, I, I feel like there's, you know, something can happen to that guy, you know, something can happen to the engineer who screws up, something can happen to, you know, the guy who's in charge of monitoring, you know, the time stream for changes and stuff like that. And, you know, all these people who are just people screw up at their jobs. It's basically a workplace comedy at that point, oh, that's awesome. you know, where just everyone is incompetent, but they're in very high ranking government, <laughs> you know, positions where people are trusting them with the literal future of society. So it's real life. <laughs> but yet they just aren't great at it. <laughs> so, you know, and, and, and so the idea was to create an anthology around these. And, and that idea admittedly came after I wrote the first novella. Uh, where I was like, oh, I could really play in this sandbox a lot more than I already am. So that was the uh, that was the, the the kind of thing of that. And then yeah, so that that is saving Hitler in a nutshell. Um, and uh, yeah, that was it's my first real like foray into self publishing. So I'm I'm really I'm, I'll be honest, I'm learning on the fly. Um, there are certain things that are applicable from when I was in the film industry and, and working with filmmakers that I find still work. And then a bunch of other stuff that absolutely does not. Yeah. I feel like that's like every time, like I, I rake back through, you know, different podcasts from seven years ago, I found a couple of people that I was wondering how they were doing now from like six or yeah. seven years ago from like Lindsay Broker, Joe Lalo, Jeffrey Poole's podcast. Um, um, I'm about to have a couple of people on from them where it's like now some of those people are, you know, Amazon bestsellers where they had just gotten out, you know, recently at that time. Uh, but I picked quite, you know, through quite a few things, but I, I do agree with this. You know, there's even in self-publishing, there are things from two years ago now that don't work as well. You know, Twitter used to be amazing before the pandemic, um, you know, and now it's like, it's more of a, like to find fans and stuff. Now for me, it's more of like a water cooler to find writers you know, and authors and stuff uh, or, yeah. or people, you know, artists or something like that, but not necessarily to find fans, you know, it just, it, you know, and that was what, like 10 months ago, really, when they changed yeah. the algorithms. TikTok is very similar to like last month they, or a month and a half ago, they changed the algorithms for them too. So the for you, you know, you can't do different things. And I had friends that, you know, had like 1.5 million followers and it's good that they got them because now if they stitch together certain videos, it only goes to their fans and followers rather than, you know, other people. So 
yeah, it's yeah. definitely, you have to definitely update yourself. But I do agree with you, though, with time travel. It's, I always wondered that, like, you know, you have, like, uh, Van Damme going back in time, and, you know, you got all these resources, but, like, why aren't you, you know, like, you know the stock market and everything and how things are going to go, so you would yeah. be really rich, I feel like, and why yeah. wouldn't they have, you know, basically unlimited resources, yeah. like the CIA or something like that? Like, I mean, I, I explain away the fact that, like, this takes place in the 1930s, uh, you know, it's pre-World War well, Pre World War One, yeah, I think it's pre World War One. Uh, pre World War Two. Pre World War One, nineteen fourteen. It takes place. I'm trying to think of like when was Hitler a teenager? And I'm oh like, yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever. So, yeah, anyway, yeah, so, so was, the whole yeah. point though is that anything really pre nineteen fifty one or something like that is pre satellite technology. Yeah. So yeah. I basically oh, said. Yeah, so I basically said that, like, oh, this guy has access to a laptop and the internet. Why? Oh, because they went and they actually shot us. They went back in time, shot a satellite into That's the a good air. idea. It's just there that no one knows about. Yeah. You know, and, and so, you know, it's it's just so now they have access. And I use that as a conduit, too, of, like, this is how they communicate with the future. Of oh, just cool. like there's there's kind of a, a, a some level of a connection through the time stream through that satellite and that internet connection to kind of update people call for you know uh, extraction that yeah. kind of stuff and I try to not go so far in deep into the technology to that I'm just like and you've lost me I, I my first the literal first words of the book are like this guy doesn't care how this stuff works. He just knows that the government created it. They tested it. They perfected it. And now this is what he does for a living. Yeah. yeah. You know, and there are little things here and there, little buzzwords and stuff that I'll bring up because, you know, again, it's like, it's like Doctor Who or Star Trek or anything else where the answer to everything is just, well, have you tried reversing the polarity? You know, <laughs> and it's like, you know, and it's like, there's no real science to that science fiction at all. However, it does tend to shut people up and allow them to work. So I, I, I do little things like that throughout where I'm just like, okay, well, you know, this is the MacGuffin that makes that work and whatever. And there are some, um, you know, areas where you know it, it looks a little more i try to make it look a little more plausible than others but at the end at the end i mean we're literally talking about a time travel adventure comedy about yeah. killing Hitler. so <laughs> you know i mean i think i've earned the uh the writers uh the readers kind of um suspension of disbelief just yeah. even based on that so i don't know well, it's kind of like, you know, like, looks like, I'm sorry, but not everybody who drives their car knows, especially nowadays with all the computers with the car, like not everybody knows how to fix, even my friends that are mechanics, you know, who with older cars don't know how to fix these newer things because half of them are computer, you know, and it's you like, always, <laughs> I think that that. You always love when you pull up to the mechanics thing and they're watching YouTube videos, right? Yeah, right. Well, like, I just think like, you know, not everybody's a Luke Skywalker in the future. Like not everybody's going to be able to fix their, like, I, I actually like that about Mondo from the Mandalorian, like uh, for uh, season two, where like he had something go on and he has to go and find people to fix it because he can fix certain things, you know, like he can change his oil, but like other things, like he needs yeah. people that actually, and I, I, I think that's more realistic than Luke, you know, like, and that's one of the things that Luke's really good at, I think because of the force, but like, you know, I don't think I don't think enough people understand that not everybody's going to be able to fix their own starship, just like not yeah, everybody. And, and to be fair, car. too, like Luke comes from a farm. 
He lives yep, where you have to do that. Farmers, yeah. do you know, that know how to fix their own tractors and stuff like that. Yep. And I feel like that's kind of the lifestyle he lived. If yep. you're kind of going head cannon on it of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. he had to learn to do all these things himself because he lived on a farm on a yep. desert planet in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And he couldn't you know? get to town. Like you have to be self-sufficient, but yeah, I just think that it makes sense that not everybody knows how to do it. So, you know, him not like, I thought about that for my pilot for a sci-fi thing. I'm like, well, I want him to know how to fly the ship, but you know, he's too busy leading the mission and doesn't have time to, you know, he, he knows how to drive. Like, I don't really know if the physics, you know, obviously, you know, with flying, it's a little bit different, but yeah. you know, it's like, I don't know. Like, you've added the Z, Z axis into there. Exactly. The but I'm still thinking. So rarely, <laughs> so rarely discussed. Yeah. But I still think yeah. there's certain things that like a pilot just, you know, if it doesn't affect their flying, I don't think that they would care, you know? And I just think that, you know, I, I, I don't know. I just think it's a little bit different, but yeah, I just, I don't think that they know how to repair, you know, their ship. Like you'd have somebody on your ship that repairs it. Like it's the same, it's like the same with the sea, right. With, you know, like navies and stuff, especially early navies. Like you have somebody that, you know, was able to, you know, particularly like galleons, you know, you have somebody that is going to steer the ship and somebody that navigates, and then you're going to have somebody else that, you know, works the keel and you're going to have somebody else that, you know, does the repairing, but it's like, it's not the person that's driving. So yeah, I definitely agree with you. I, I like that. I just, I think that it's realistic that somebody would know how, like I use my cell phone all the time. I don't worry about how the science works, you know, and yeah. I think time travel would be very similar, you know, which, like, which during the pandemic has made, it has made me laugh endlessly at anyone who sits there and says, but I don't know what's it. You don't know what's in the vaccine. I'm like, you don't know about anything about how any of this stuff works. What like, about your like, polio yeah, like, vaccine? Tell me how this works, you know? <laughs> I mean, I, I it, yeah, it's just, it's a whole thing. And like, not to even to get like remotely political about it. It's more, really more of just like a, you know, well, you don't understand this. I'm like, right. But we all don't understand a lot of things and yeah. yet we do them or take advantage or we take them for granted on a daily basis. Yeah, yeah. And so while I, it's like, yes, you're right. So let's educate and then, and then let's form opinions based on facts and reality, not yep. on feelings and, and, and other agendas and stuff but you know and, and that's the other thing too like i don't sit there in saving hitler and go okay but this guy is a republican or this guy's a democrat or this guy's a whatever he might be at that particular time you know i don't address you know that the type of world that, you know situation that he's he's in or comes from <clears throat> i just address that you know when he went back and screwed up that he screwed up the world um, you know, it, it, it's, you know, I, and I didn't even necessarily bring up Hitler because it trends every freaking day, um, <laughs> on, uh, you know, like it was just, it was just the idea of, you know, it is the weird thing too. like time travel to me. I, I had a, I, I do occasionally I've done, and this is more when I was in LA, I did comedy, I did some stand up, And so I came up with a bit and I'm, 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 I'm going to bring it up on my freaking notes app because of course that's what I would do. Right. Um, so if time travel were real, you would literally try and time travel, grab Hitler, parade him out every time some idiot in part, you know, parliament or, or Congress or whatever talks about fascism and then compares that to Hitler and just bring out Hitler and go, that sound like you No, no, no. Hitler says no. <laughs> so try again, you know, like that kind of thing, you know, and it's just, you know, it's just the idea of, of the idea that, that Hitler is just this shared experience not necessarily literally of everyone in our lives but to our grandparents and, and to an entire generation of people oh, yeah. 
that Hitler was this one shared experience that somehow everyone talks about, you know, 60 years. Now, how many years are we going from 1945? Uh, so, yeah, 45, what is that? That's 80, right? 82? Yeah, 80 years. It'll be 85. And they yeah. literally are still comparing people to him yesterday. And here's the thing. Not... I got, God damn, I hope it doesn't sound like I'm defending Hitler, but Jesus. All right. So Hitler kills six, six million people, you know, not the guy who has killed the most people, but yet the guy with the most press, you know? And so, you know, but it, it's just, it's such a weird kind of a, a, a person to, to compare things to or persons to it, it's, it's almost like he's the brand name for wrongness, you know, like Kleenex is the brand name or Band-Aid is the brand name for those items. He's the brand name for evil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You no, know? it's true. Yeah, in terms of humans, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, again, like, you know, you look at, like, just the kind of things that he set up for, you know, his own, um, like, parliament and dictatorship and, you know, stuff yeah. like that. And, yeah, I mean, I that is, yeah. I mean, yeah, he's pretty well branded. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, well like, now after I brought the room down. Um, <laughs> no, no, I mean, it's just it, it makes for for um, it makes for easy thought. Uh, the subject is just is ripe for storytelling. Oh, for sure. You know, because it's this common thing that everyone recognizes at, at almost any age. Like the minute a kid steps foot into school you know, and learns that World War II happened, that person is now knows that story. Yeah. And so, you know, it, and, and that happens at generally a fairly early age. Usually that's like a middle school thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if not like fourth or fifth grade, depending on, you know, what, what state you're school? in. I mean, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. It, it, so, you know, it's just weird, you know, shared experience between people and, and, and even people who didn't experience it is still a point of reference educationally. And so, you know, to, to, to come up with stories about it is very easy to do it in a way that is still somewhat culturally sensitive, still somewhat, um, I, I, like I said, you know, it can be hard um, because there are, you know, there it's a sensitive topic, both from, you know, whatever. I try to inject a little bit of humor into it. I try to make it, even somewhat historically accurate. There are historical accuracies in there that I made a point to research. The locations, the dates, the time, you know, the, the people involved are all taken from actual records that I was able to find online. So, you know, um, you know, and, and uh, so, you know, I, I took a little bit of care in here. I didn't just willy nilly pants my way yeah. through it, but, you know, because I wanted to be sensitive to the people that were, that have their families and stuff that have been affected by this stuff. But at the same time, I wanted to, to tell a story that I had only heard as a party joke, you know, for my entire life, which is if you could go back in time and kill Hitler, would you? It's actually you funny know? that you mentioned it. Cause that actually just popped up in my history class. Like literally on Monday, like a, a kid brought it up and we were like, okay, well, you know, my mentor teacher kind of looked at me and we're like, never had anybody bring it up in class before for middle school but um and uh yeah we were discussing it and it's just funny that again you know some things are serendipitous <laughs> you know um yeah, yeah like it, yeah we just got talking about it for a few minutes and you know it really like went down the middle like people were like well yeah and then I was like well you're gonna kill him as a baby I said what happens if something 
changes and you step on a butterfly. And then, you know, I said, what if it creates a worse Hitler, you know, or whatever. And then they were all like, oh man. And I think that's why it is such a great topic to write about because it is, it's like, it's like, what would you do? And then time travel, adding time travel to it just adds a whole nother dimension of causality and, you know, and things like Mm -hmm. that. So I think it's a great, I think it's a great, you know, great story to be writing. So. Yeah, no, I mean, and honestly, if I called it killing Hitler versus saving Hitler, I probably would have a handful of more sales than I have now. But, you know, the the um, the other overarching theme is that our our people who we make them are people who they destined to be our people, whoever. So I have a scene in the book where some guy goes back in time. This was not the first attempt to kill Hitler. Mm. There was they did send a guy back to kill him as a baby. And he looked down at the kid and Hitler in his crib and was just like, it's a baby. I can't kill a baby like that's not me yeah and 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 then it went on to mess him up like you know throughout the the rest of I mean I kind of only tell it within a short section but it went on to the point where like that guy commits suicide because he's just it, it messed him up so bad the idea that they wanted him to kill a child yeah, you know, yeah. and then the dichotomy of like, but it's him, but it's not him. It's, you know, I do um, think that like, there's a philosophical debate that my friend and I had, which he, he came up with a great point. He goes, he goes, if you look at World War Two, it's like the Civil War for the United States, right? And in terms of the fact that it's such a big deal, and all like, we're still on reconstruction, we've been on Civil War and reconstruction, we're supposed to start the year with reconstruction. But because yeah. of the pandemic, it's like our kids are so behind. And we it's like, you can't skip over those two sections because it's it's a 12-year time period, but it sets up all the rest of our history in this country. And yeah. it's the same with World War II where it's like, my friend made a good point. He goes, I don't think that, he goes, I think if you somebody went and killed Hitler, he goes, it, there's so many good and bad things that popped out from that time period and that war that yeah. in terms of all of our lives were changed. And those of us, like you said, right, who aren't even in, weren't even involved, so to speak, or yeah. born yet, but... He goes, I think a causality would have been if somebody did kill Hitler, somebody else would still have been Hitler because and done the same type of thing, if not worse, because, you know, you literally have, you know, and he's like, he just made a good point where he's like, you know, it's like the Civil War, you know, he's like, there are certain things that have to come to a head. And he goes, I do think that personally goes, I think that even if somebody did do that, you know, time would have figured it out where somebody else would have been him. Because, you know, you just have all these things that go on and change because of it. And, you know, if you look at, you know, timelines, it's like, is it really the time and place that they happen or the thing that happened that matters most? So philosophically, that's a good point. And and that it it brings me kind of almost um, to the non-spoiler alert aspect of the end of the book, which is um, time has a way of correcting itself. Yep. Yep. And, 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 you know, in this particular case, you know, it's, it's that everything will happen in its own time. Yeah, yeah. And the idea that it wasn't time to kill Hitler when he was a baby, it wasn't time to kill Hitler when this guy comes back and tries to kill him. The time to kill Hitler was the time that Hitler died. And so, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and, and it's unfortunate that the things that had to happen had to happen in order for that to occur. But it was the right time for those things to happen. You're right. Absolutely. I mean, if you look at the time of, you know, um, after the civil war, after reconstruction, you have the industrial revolution and industrial revolution was directly, um, was directly, uh, influenced by, you know, a lot of the stuff that was happening during yeah. the, the yeah. you know, first world war, I want to think. Uh, for Sorry. industrialization, uh, well, industrialization is going to happen 
because um, there's two. Um, second industrialization is basically going to happen um, right at the right before the Civil War. So it's basically like 1840. Right. Uh, but yeah, it goes into like the Gilded Age and it goes right up until uh, really right after World War One. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, and I, because the yeah, I mean, and then you know, one other big thing that would have suffered during that would have been uh, women's suffragism and 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 all yep. of that because women got that taste of going to work yep. while men were away at war yep. and being you know independent and being having to fend for their own families and all that kind of stuff and that sparked also a a movement especially in this country for civil rights, women's rights, yep. stuff like that because that was basically was the entire premise of the fifties and the sixties yep. and. So so that was all direct causality based upon everything that happened during and after the second world war. So, you know, that, yeah, I mean, it, if that had never happened, you know, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that would not be. Yeah. No, yeah, no, totally. So, I look you know, at or, it every day. Or they would crazy. be, but they would be delayed because yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. need for those things happened during world war two. Yep. You know, and I think that, that that's one of those, like, um, what is it? Uh, something is the mother of invention uh, is a, you know, a necessity is the mother yeah, of yeah, invention. Yeah, yeah. And the idea that there, you know, things that were deemed necessary during the, any war that we've had, civil war, first world war, second world war, um, et cetera, has, has pushed industrialization, has pushed invention, has pushed modernization um, every time, Yeah, yeah. you know? Uh, for one reason, uh, which I know has nothing to do with books. <laughs> well, but when you think about it, though, but but yeah. you think about it, it really does. But it does. Because when you think about world building, you know, you I think you need yeah. to think about world building because, like, I had an event happen in a book recently, and I was like, changed a little. I said, okay, I said, well, what's going to happen with the repercussions for society? Um, you know, as a social studies teacher, my friend, he goes, well, you have it easy because you've studied sociology for so long you know, and psychology of these different events on society and cultures. And I'm like, well, that is true. You know, with looking at cultural anthropology and things and, you know, and he goes, it's easier for you because you can look at an event and then think how it affected everybody within that kingdom, that yeah. culture, you know, for the next several decades, because uh, you've studied it. And I'm like, oh, that's a good point. So I think it directly correlates to, you know, to causality within your book. And, you know, like for you, especially like, I think, you know, if you're going to do an anthology like that, I think it you know, it would directly influence the types of decisions that you're making yeah. for your characters. Well, I mean, the entire premise of it is that someone's doing some part that's just their mundane job. And then, yep. you know, something happens in, in the, the butterfly effect that that, you know, that, that occurs after that, and then having to reset to some degree or having to live with the consequences of that or whatever I decide to write it as. Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, but, and, and no, I mean, I think that also when you talk about psychology, sociology, I think that that's really almost what authors do for a living is authors try to understand and then regurgitate people in a way like we you know even the most introverted of us i think will study people and will study things and how they work and how they why they do things yeah and then we attempt our best at recreating those things in writing in whatever fantastical or non-fantastical form we try to do, yeah. you know, um, it doesn't matter if it's your old next door neighbor who used to, you know, fart in his sleep, or if it was, you know, 
or if it's, you know, someone who is running from a serial killer, or if it's someone who's doing, you know, if it's vampires or werewolves or whatever, there's a level of sociology, even to vampires and, 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 and werewolves yeah. and stuff, sociology, anthropology, and psychology that is entered into all of those things. And so I think that, and I, I know I'm not the first person at all to say this. I mean, like reading is just, reading and writing uh, is just understanding, Yeah. you know? And, and so, you know, and I think that's what a lot of uh, reading, especially is a quest for understanding and connecting. Writing is the idea of like, this is me reaching out, trying to get you to buy this idea and that I had in my head invalidate it yeah, to yeah. some degree. No, yeah, and totally. so, yeah, so that's, you know, and what if you validate it, can we be friends? You know, like that's, yeah. the, you know, I think it's similar to that. No, totally. Uh, I know we kind of touched on the fourth one there a little bit. So are, you said you're thinking about expanding this into an anthology. Uh, have mm-hmm. you thought about expanding it further into like a, like a Jim Butcher type of series? Like I know I have a men in black style um, uh, oh, series. That I'd love to do like Jim Butcher with these two guys and they're like, it's like a buddy cop, but they're men in black and you know, they essentially deal with, it's like um Oh, um, Sam and Dean from Supernatural, but they're government funded uh, and they come and, you know, they're not brothers, uh, but they're best friends and they come across all these different things. And I kind of want to set it, you know, like make a a noir and, you know, set it in like the fifties or something like that. Have you thought of, you know, doing something like that at all with, you know, with the time traveling agency or these characters or just an anthology? I think that, I think that starting it as an anthology and seeing if there's an audience for it, seeing if people are quote unquote buying what I'm putting down, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think it will dictate whether the amount of effort I put into pushing it. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, and, and also how much fun I have playing in that world, in that sandbox. You know, I think that, the, you know, sometimes there are writers who overstay their welcome in certain things because it's making them money, but they're not getting enjoyment out of it. I yeah, mean, yeah. I, I, it carries I, over. It, it definitely does. You can tell that like, and then this happened and then this happened. And then, wow, that was not the ending I expected. This guy obviously had a deadline to me. You yeah, know, it's yeah. very, yeah. it's like, it's like when you watch movies and you, you're watching like a, you know, a, a, especially if that person was ever an indie director, you're watching a movie and you'll be like, wow the studio said no to that right there and like you can see where the studio notes are throughout the entire you know script and stuff and so you know you can tell that like yeah you had some issues here and this is why we're getting this watered down thing that you you obviously lost interest in halfway through making you know or or the studio watered it down for you and you know and that even comes out in like the promotional stuff like i yeah. i love being able to spot stuff like that I, I feel bad for them but you know like i love being able to go like ah oh, yeah mm. um so yeah it really de- yeah it determines it, it, what dictates uh, going further on it is just like how much do i enjoy playing in that sandbox also time like you know i literally have one other book finished right now that I'm editing and, and trying to get out there. I have another book that's just about done. That's, you know, ready to get, you know, then edited and then out there and then a series of short stories. And I haven't even touched yet in my career, things like contests, festivals, 
Mm. Um, other kind of submittable type of uh, yeah. events that you know will distract from time or will make me have to write other stuff for specifically those things. Yeah. So you know, I I would definitely say like never say never because hey, why say why when you can say why not? Yeah. But you know, I think it's really more of a time's going to dictate what will happen with that on its own time. Right now, it was important for me as a relatively new writer to meet a deadline, get something out there, and then continue doing, like rinse, repeat in a way, like yeah, continue yeah. doing that, continue to get things out. And then I can step back and go, okay, let's see how the audience is responding to that. We can pivot based on that and, and see where we need to be, see where the demand is, see whatever. And, um, and, you know, and then at the same time, we're still focusing on traditional publishing as well as the self-publishing as well as, you know, the traveling and all the other stuff that goes on with it. It's, it's just, there's a lot of moving pieces and it's always been, I mean, I'm somewhat used to it. I'm a little older now, but I'm somewhat used to it, you know, from doing film snobbery and, and being a film critic, you know, the, all the marketing is on you anytime you're a, a business owner. And then when you are an author and it's just you, you are a business owner. I mean, I, you know, I, you have a business plan and yet you, you have a, an idea of what you what you want to be and what you want to accomplish by x amount of time and you set your own metrics and you try to meet those deadlines yeah <clears throat> and um so yeah so that's the short short ish answer <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i definitely think that uh I, I, I just love, I love the time travel agency thing. Like, I think that's why a lot of people really liked, uh, I think it was called the company, right? In the Umbrella Academy. Um, yeah, I think it just, it adds a whole different um, type of story. Um, and I, I don't remember seeing too many, uh, you know, like, I think they always have like, uh, like uh, what was it? Uh, Looper um, with a bunch of those yep. guys, like Bruce Willis and stuff. Like, I think that's why, I, th I mean, I always see those stories do really well. But again, I don't think a lot of people have focused on you know, the actual time travel agency itself. I do think that that'd be like a really cool, like TV show or something like that too. But, yeah. They keep trying to do stuff like that. Like they, they keep dropping the, 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 they like, they bring up the idea and then they drop it again in legends of tomorrow. Oh, like, yep, yep, yep. There's a, like there's this whole time agency thing in legends of tomorrow that they're like, Oh yeah, there's a time agency. And then it's like, yeah, we we forgot about writing that whole, uh, that whole thing for whatever yeah. reason and like they'll still include the characters and stuff but they don't give them really enough to do and, yeah. and it's like because the focus really is about on the superheroes and yeah, yeah, yeah. you know there's the a level of fan service that comes along with that but I mean Legends of Tomorrow is basically just a uh, uh, it's a time travel TV show I mean yeah, yeah. you know I, the, the only one that I'm kind of looking forward to is the reboot of Quantum Leap that they're going to be doing so oh I'm really excited about that I, I think love that'll be really well. interesting yeah um well, it's crazy because yeah, like I mean, Loki did so well, you know, with the Time Lords. Yeah. I get it's Marvel, but like I do think that my friend and I mentioned the other day, you know, I do think that has opened up a market for more, you know, like people don't just want more superheroes, they want more time travel. I think that added a whole new level of, you know, of sophistication to the storytelling. I think fantasy, science fiction, anything that's escapism right now is doing really well because of what we are all living through currently yeah um which know, which I mean, which 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 natural disaster or uh historical event are you talking about because <laughs> it's like yeah my friend and i were talking about that day it's like uh possibly you know pre-world war three um pandemic like aliens now apparently exist uh, a bunch of government said that it's like it's just crazy to think about how much has happened in 
in two years. It's just like, it's nuts. <laughs> it, it, it really is crazy. I mean, I feel like I've lived an entire lifetime yes. and then sequestered in a, just one place yeah, yeah, in, yeah. in two to three years, you know, yep. it's, it's really the amount of stuff that, you know, gen, I, I, I can only imagine another, it's not going to be the next generation, but I'd say like two generations from now are going to look back at the, like in a hundred years are going to look back at this particular moment in time. And well, if we ever get there and they will be like, geez, those guys, you know, like yeah, that yeah. was, that, you know, some, some stuff went down. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. We're all retired now. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's crazy. That's my friend. You know, my wife and I just bought our first house, which I, oh, I, awesome. I never thought was going to be, a thing we would be ever doing because generation generationally speaking, like the odds are not stacked in our favor to do so. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? So oh, like, I do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so it's just, it's, it's things like that, that like, when you look at the, you know, things like inflation, you look at this and that and the other thing, like, you know, and then you extrapolate that for 50 to hundred years and you're like, what, what chance does anyone have? Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. It gets crazy. if things continue the way that they go. Or maybe sometimes someone will discover time travel between now and then and we'll be able to fix all this stuff before it happens. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That'd be, that'd be great. <laughs> uh, yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, man, yeah. I, I don't know if I want to bring it up, but there was this, well, I guess I do because you just mentioned it, but um, there's this one um, guy that came back, I think it was in like the 70s or something, and, um, you know, said that he was part of like this time agency that was trying to, stop energy wars from happening and i just thought yeah. it was so interesting because the other day and i forget the guy's name but if you guys look it up you'll be able to find it and um yeah like uh he put out like this video and stuff that you know at the time um you know like late 80s where people were like oh man like this is crazy but he allegedly like met with government officials and stuff like that and it was just so interesting where um the stuff that's going on in ukraine and stuff right now where i was like wow it's like a couple of things that he said um, you know, that people thought were nuts, like actually came to happen, like yeah. in terms of like early stuff. Uh, and he like released like an essay and stuff online. I'm really blank on the guy's name, but it was such an interesting story that I was like, oh, that would make a good book. But then, you know, with like stuff in the Ukraine right now, I was like, man, I was like, that's kind of crazy, you know, that like yeah. to think that maybe a couple of things that he actually said, like were actually true. Uh, so yeah, yeah it was like kind of weird, but my favorite story that is a time travel, an actual story, is that uh, Stephen Hawking, Stephen Hawking, before he died, threw a party for time travelers. And oh, it was his cool. way of proving that time travel either did or didn't exist is I'm going to throw a party for exclusively for time travelers. And if nobody shows up, that's how we'll prove that the time travel is not real. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> And so, yeah, and, and it's uh, and, and nobody showed up. Now, of course, the what if guy in me wants to write the story of of Stephen Hawking's time travel party. That would be awesome. I would definitely read that. That'd be awesome. I want to write that story now. And I yeah. literally had that thought while you were and now I oh, said it. Cool. So, of course, someone will probably beat me to the punch. But you know what? I would rather whether it's having fun writing it or having fun reading it, I don't care. Yeah. So if anyone wants to take that idea and run with it, please go ahead. Otherwise I'm going to. Well, I do feel like though, that that too is like, um, like my wife was talking about this. She goes, we well, shouldn't mention that you're Roman and, you know, Romans and zombies book. I said, well, I said, if someone does it, that's fine. I said, but the fact, the, the fact is that we're not going to write the same book and we don't yeah. have, I haven't said anything about my actual characters. And for me, again, it's about characterization and, you know, characters drive the story. And I'm like, I feel like I have 
you know, some great characters developing and I, whatever someone comes up with, I'm like, sure. And I'm like, that might even be a cool marketing idea. You know, we both come, we both come up with the same idea, but we write two different books just to see, you know, who's does better, so to speak, you know, it's like. And I mean, look, I mean, from almost anything, there's more than there's, I, I have a theory I've always used in marketing and it's called Coke versus Pepsi. Okay. Oh, yep, yep. There's, and what there, I've always said is there's always room for at least three ideas, yeah, three yeah. ideas that will always be successful. Coke, Pepsi, and Dr. Pepper. Yep. <laughs> you oh, know? That's true, yeah. And so anything, anything after that is, is fairly derivative, but there's yeah. always room for at least three main ideas to be successful. Yeah. And so, you know, and, and that, it actually dovetails into something I, I put off writing for a couple of years. Um, I have another book that I'm about a quarter of the way through. Um, and it's called My Dear Watson, and it's set in a uh, in the the world of the you know um, Sherlock Holmes. And the the problem is is that the focus was on a character by the name of Enola Watson, who is named after Enola Holmes's you know Sherlock's sister. Yeah, yeah. So no sooner do I get about a quarter <laughs> into writing this, I plotted out the whole thing. I've got a marketing plan. I've got everything ready to go, and I'm just going nuts on this thing. Then do I get fun old Millie Bobby Brown from Stranger Things decides I'm going to do an Enola Holmes movie. Well, <laughs> screw me now, you know, and I threw it down and I said, you know what, I, 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 I'm done. I'm done for now. I said, this is this is going to go somewhere because she's very talented and, and honestly, love the movie. Thought yeah, it was a great, great movie. movie and she's going to do a sequel. But then you I'm know, excited. I, yeah. I, age 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 kind of mellowed me a bit you know because it was a few years and, and a pandemic <laughs> um so 50 years and <laughs> uh you know it mellowed me a bit and i said you know what there is room for more than one sherlock holmes you know oh, sure. story and i think it all depends on characterization and yeah. how you choose to do it and it's not even enola holmes it's it's enola watson it's actually john fictionally speaking it's john watson's daughter named after sherlock's sister which i think and would be awesome so, it, it, well, I took the Batman Beyond approach. I'm taking the Batman Beyond approach of she is learning how to do it from an aged Sherlock who can no longer function. That'd be awesome. <laughs> that's See? really cool. See? So that's the, that's the, the kind of the thing and, that I'm going with. And, you know, the, there's a couple of main mysteries she's trying to solve. One is a per, very personal to her. And then the other one is the more overarching mystery. And so, you know, and that was planned as a several book series as well. So, you know, whether or not everything happens the way it should, I hope it does. But, you know, if it does I think it'd be a cool young adult for sure. I mean, there's that's not exactly a lot of, there's not a lot like of Nancy Drews anymore. Lead. Yeah. You know, I got, a, I got a good female lead. There's some LGBT, you know, crossover in there. But also, you know, I just wanted to tell a good story with, with modern figures that, that people, especially young people, will connect to. Yeah. And, you know, that, that's kind of where I wanted to go with that. Um, but that, that's, you know, it's very similar in terms of like, you know, no sooner do you start something and like, you're afraid that someone else is going to have the same idea. And I allowed myself, I, I would have been done with it had I continued doing it. I might've yeah. even beaten her to market. Had I yeah. really done like the old, like, well, it's this meets this instead I put it off and, and, you know, thankfully no one's really done that story the same way that I would have done it. So I feel like I can still play in that sandbox a little bit. And, yeah. and hopefully that, that, you know, once hidden talent is done, that's the one that's next after that. And then I have one other Greek mythology one 
that I have oh, planned cool. after that, which is another, um, it's another very LGBT driven story uh, with Medusa. Oh, that is cool. called Stone Hearts. Oh, that's awesome. Never stops. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that, that one I've already written about three chapters of. So I've, awesome. I've started that one too. Because I try to get at least the idea started so that, you know, well, if I have awesome. to stop and then come back to it, like I can read a little bit to get myself yeah, yeah. familiarize myself yeah. and then get back into that world. The hardest thing I have as a writer in terms of like uh, writing stuff is I feel like I have to finish and I can't move on to the next thing until after I finish because it's really hard for me once I'm in the heads and the mind space of the yeah. characters that I'm in and the world I'm, I'm creating and that I'm in, it's hard for me to jump from one to the next. So that, those are my, those are my biggest problems as a thing. Like everyone's just like, you seem to have a lot of ideas. I'm like, the ideas are not the problem. I'm an insomniac yeah. and I, I just, you know, I have a lot of time to think, you know, I mean, there's just, it's, you know, I don't, I, the ideas are not the problem. Even the time to write is not the problem. It's, it's getting everything out and then not, and then if I have to come back, the transition, you know, navigating the business is a problem right now. That'll, that'll mellow as I get more experience. Yeah. But right now it's going from one thing to the next, especially because when you write, you finish a draft and then you might, you know, hand it off to someone else for notes, but you want to start working on something else. Yeah. And so I'll give it notes. And then for me to take those notes and then get back in the same head, head space as I was when I wrote what I was writing is really difficult. I find it's a lot easier with short fiction, like flash fiction and stuff like that, because it's just a couple of pages and that doesn't seem to you know throw me as much. But if I have to go back and reread 50,000 words, that, becomes a lot more of a challenge and for some reason my brain does not like to to transition i know that feeling <laughs> yeah not as easy as shifting gears in a car <laughs> i wish mm. it was but no i wish it was i learned how to drive stick yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot easier that way um I, I guess we could combine these two i didn't realize before um but for in terms of like kin Vela, so i was just curious how you decided on, you know, going, uh, you know, to upload, uh, you know, your book here uh, to Kindle Vela. And I was kind of curious if you had a different process for writing short stories versus writing for Kindle Vela. Okay. Um, all right. So the decision-making process was this. Um, they were, they, they, they put out Kindle Vela, I think as a, a competitor to Wattpad basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll be honest with you. I wasn't familiar with Wattpad. I mean, I'm, I'm, it, I wasn't familiar with Wattpad in the same way. I'm not familiar with TikTok. I'm, I'm aware of their existence. Um, but I just don't understand all the nuances. All I knew was that I was already doing some self-publishing through Amazon anyway this seemed to be a way to monetize and get out, um, you know, some stuff fairly quickly. I, I'm, I like the idea. I'm still using it as an experiment because let's be honest, there's nothing ever saying I can't unpublish this stuff and take it somewhere else. Yeah. Um, in terms of short stories and, and what, how I decide kind of like what I'm going to do for short stories versus flash fiction or whatever, the idea for me is that short stories are, even if they're, you know, Kindlevella is made to be real, like very uh, short stuff, like, like very easily digestible. Mm -hmm. um, 
short stories, I mean, is a broad term because it could be 2,000 yeah. words, it could be 5,000 words, it could be 10,000 words. Yeah. Um, Kindle Vela, I'm trying to keep most of that stuff two to 3,000 words, absolutely max. Okay. And it's stuff that is just, oh, I had a good idea, but it's not, you know, broad enough for me to turn into a full-blown short story or full, you know, enough. Basically, it's, it's a, enough where I, if it's an idea that I could write the entirety of it in a writing sprint, mm. you know, like I can sit down and I can write one complete idea from beginning to end. I can send it in for like one or two edits. And then when it comes back to me, that's it. It's done. I can publish it and it's ready to go. That's kind of was my thing with Vela. Also, it's, it's just another arm that does earn money that I'm trying to see how it does. You know, I mean, and and when we talk about, um, you know, things like active or passive income, there's the stuff that we do actively to go out and do things like, you know, there's the actual selling of our books, whether it's in person or, or, or online or whatever, but the, the passive income of, I need to get stuff out there that is just already out there and people can find and there's a discoverability aspect to it and stuff like that. I can promote it. And it's short stuff too. So it'll, it's short enough that it'll give people a taste of my writing and what my writing style is and my voice and stuff. And it's not limited to any one genre. It's so people are going to get a, uh, a pastiche, if you will, of, uh, <laughs> of my, of different kinds of writing. So, yeah. you know, the sound of one hand clapping is basically a fanfic for Peter Pan. You know, um, the other one is called dead pixel. And that one is uh, kind of a, a, a cross between horror and sci-fi and i have another one that's going to be coming out probably in a week or so um it's already written i just have to get it edited um called susto and that one is straight up horror and so you know but it might give me a chance to play around and do romance it might give me a uh, you know which i've never written and but i might be good at it but this gives me an excuse to to try and you know um It'll give me, you know, whatever. And it's, it's, it's those things that will allow me to write when I, I'm not able to, for one reason or another, whether it's location or just lack of inspiration or whatever, to write the other stuff, the longer yeah. form stuff. Because sometimes you, as much as I have a hard time changing those gears, sometimes you do need a break. Like I haven't written on Hidden Talent in about four or five days. And I, you know, and I want to get itching for it. I want to get back in that world because I know exactly where I'm going. I know where the end of that book is. And I'm about five to 10 chapters out. And I just want it, you know, I want to, to get to the end of that one because I'm excited for it. Yeah. But I needed that. I had these other ideas and I just knew, oh, I can just get this stuff out. And hey, I can just post it, make some money maybe, you know, or at the very least, it gives me something to post to followers. It's, it's content that I can put uh, on, in my newsletters yeah. as new things that I've done. Um, and then later on, you know, it's stuff that if I have enough things done, I can, I can maybe do a collection, you know, yeah. and, 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 and then do them as a collection or something like that. Yeah. But it, it seems to be an experiment that Amazon's running. It is funded. Like they have their own, you know, kind of a, um, a pool of money set aside for payment for stuff like this. And I actually have already made money on it. Oh, so cool. I got a bonus for like, and I have like, I, I, for some other stuff that I had on there that I decided to pull because I was going to turn it into something else. But I made like, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, I made like $27 on something that was up there for like a week. Oh, that's crazy. Right. And, and had only a handful of views. And so, but it gives me something to talk about too, because it's something not everyone is doing yet. It's something that's yeah, fairly yeah. new. You wanted to know about it, you know? So I figured this is a good experiment to try out. 
Um, I might try Wattpad, I might try Patreon, I might try whatever. The only thing is that a lot of what those require is they require an audience. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. A yeah. pre-existing audience. Yeah, yeah. I don't have that. But what I do have is I have things that are free that I can post places and 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 then hopefully direct an audience too. And Vela happens to be one of those things where I can post it there. It doesn't cost me a cent and will actually pay me for people to read it. So not at all an advertisement for Vela. Like I said, it's an experiment. I'm willing to see where it ha- where where it goes, um, and we'll see what happens with it in the future. So. Yeah. Well, it goes back to you know what we we're talking about for question two. You know, with you know trying to get multiple you know levels of income, and I, I have a couple of short story ideas or novellas that I thought, oh, this summer I could probably bust out you know ten thousand words for that in a day. You know, mm-hmm. same thing, like finish it off, send it to a quick editor and then get it there. I'm more of a longer writer, like, but, you know, I do have some different ideas where I'm like, well, it would be cool just to get them out, just to get experience, you know, get experience editing and things. Um, my friend does them as a palette cleanser. Um, and yeah. he was talking about putting them on Bella. He's like, well, I do them in between getting done with drafts or something, you know, to get my mind off it, but to still do the something. palette cleanser is a perfect, yeah. perfect. It's the, it's the amouche-bouche of writing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, yeah. But he's like, I just put him on there because I, I have this one, um, which I always wanted to do a serial for, like a, a Firefly-esque crew who mm-hmm. mines out in space and ends up getting in a bunch of trouble and has a bunch of different adventures. Um, very Han Solo, Firefly type thing with like, you know, six or seven different crew members, um, yeah. you know, and I, I want it to be kind of like a progression serial. And, you know, instead of just throwing it on my website and or whatever and hoping that I can get people to pay for, you know, them, I was like, oh, well, when I was looking at your website, I was like, well, it'd be cool to put them on Bella, you know, and then, you know, each of them would be around 10,000 words, you know, and then eventually I could do an anthology, but instead of just waiting, you know, they could actually, I could just put them on Bella, make something, you know, like you said, build an audience. So I think that that is actually something that I am going to be doing this summer. So I was really glad I was reading more about it on your website because I just heard about it recently on another podcast. So I was like, oh, that's a really cool idea. So, you know, one of the first pieces of what I consider to be fan, like modern fan fiction that I ever wrote was a Firefly piece that I wrote back in. Oh, God, it had to be the early. Well, whenever whenever Firefly was on um, after that, because I'm one of those few people that I didn't discover Firefly until Serenity. So oh, yeah, I was yeah. About I that went. Time. I watched Serenity, and I was like telling a friend of mine, "I'm like, I watched this thing like three times in the theaters." And he's like, "You know, there's a TV series, right?" And I'm like, "What?" <laughs> so anyway, so then I I did that, and then I kind of became a- active in that fandom a bit, and then that led to one of my first more modern pieces, and that was a fan fiction that is still available online at a place oh, cool. I haven't bookmarked, but I do not, I have not uh, directed anyone to. But um, it uh, takes place for on the um, anniversary of uh, Wash and Zoe. Oh, so, cool. yeah. So, but it, for your uh, your idea, if you ever want to do a collaboration, I, I've already. You said space mining thing with Firefly. And I'm like, in my head, I was just like, I have ideas. I have ideas. Oh yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I would definitely be down to collaborate because I I there are a couple things that like I'd like to do. I don't know um, if you're familiar with Galaxy's Edge. They um, had mm-hmm. done it before Star Wars. So they're um, just great books, but uh, yeah, like they collaborated. And, you know, I, I know sometimes it's a little scary to spend a lot of time and collaborate. Um, you know, I think Clayton Snyder and uh, Michael R. Fletcher did a great job with Nordisk Grown. So I'm about to read that really soon. 
Um, and I've heard a lot of people really enjoyed that. Um, you know, like that was, you know, um, I feel like they were fairly efficient at it, it took two and a half months, but I just thought like, it would be cool to collaborate with a serial because anytime, you know, you and I could meet for instance, right. And I would encourage other people to think about this too. Cause I had a friend mention this. He's like, my buddy and I meet on a zoom call on Sundays for an hour to plan. They outline their story. They'll meet another, you know, then the next Sunday. And then that's when they, they, they each write. And then on the next Sunday, so it takes them about, you know, four Sundays, but you know, they might have enough for, you know, four or five different serials and then they yep. put them up on Vela. And I'm like, that's a genius plan. I think personally, cause you're still learning. It's like having a partner writer, you know, and if I'm yeah. struggling one week, you can help me fill in. And then it's like, you have two people to, you know, keep track of the world building and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I would, I would definitely be down to do that, particularly this summer. I would love to set a schedule for that. So even yeah. if you want to do something like, you know, maybe, maybe even if you'd be interested, we could, you know, do a serial. I was thinking about starting a serial or anthology for my like men in black kind of thing, like the company. And I thought it'd be cool to do, you know, different stuff, um, you know, different horror stories, supernatural stories, you know, obviously some aliens, you know, monsters, stuff like that. But yeah, I thought yeah. it'd be cool to, to do that and put it on Bella. So <laughs> that'd be, that'd be awesome. It goes right back to what I would say. Why not? You know, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. You know the, the, the worst thing that can happen is you try it, you realize like, ah, you know, this, this story is not as developed as I thought, or, or even the collaboration relationship is not as, as, you know, defined as you hoped or whatever. And then yeah. it's just like, well, we tried and then, you know, you can always go back and try something else. Yeah. But it is Don't nice because no then you each have a product. You don't try. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's nice because then you each have a product and it's not as, you know, and then you, we could even do, you know, I like that because my friend said, I was like, oh, he goes, we're just going to put ours into an anthology too, after you know, novella. And I was like, well, that's freaking genius. Cause then you both build up an audience. You both have this. And I said, you're building it over time and you, you're not, you know, and if it's like, if schedule doesn't work out, it's like one of you could do a little bit more, you know, it's like, I was like, that makes a lot more sense. I think than doing an entire book series, like galaxy's edge, like those guys have done a great job, you know, writing together and stuff over years. But, you know, I just yeah. think like, and um, they even talked about how, you know, they even did a few under a pen name, like the same pen name. And then they just split the profits and the costs. And I was like, oh, well, that's cool. I said, I think I more likely prefer, you know, like both names on it or whatever, um, yeah. you know, to build an audience. I just, I'm not really into pen names as much because I, I want to build my own brand kind of thing. Exactly. Um, yeah. But, you know, I but mean, even, it, even sharing it, a name on a cover is people more. People will than, go like, well, Stephen King does a pen name. I'm like, Stephen King writes so King. much. They made yeah. him put out a pen name yeah, because yeah, he has yeah. too much shit coming out in one yeah. year. <laughs> yep. Yep. Great totally. problem to have. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, but I'm like definitely, definitely ready to get stuff on to to Gindovella because I'm like even if you're just putting out like you said ten short stories, you know, it's stuff that you could even pull later on and give us free stuff for if it's not making money for your newsletter, you yeah. know, or or something like that. But I, mean, I just think the yeah. idea too of well, here's the thing with Vela too: your first three stories are free, so free That's to cool. not just I mean free for your readers. So after that, they have to buy, they have a weird credit system. So after your first three, they have to buy credits and then they buy your, your future stories. So you have three that's stories cool. to hook someone. And so that's why I also, you know, using this as a sandbox for everything, you know, not just one genre is because it might entice someone to say, well, I'll buy that story. Maybe not this story, maybe yeah, this yeah, yeah. one, you know, to give people choice. And I think, cause that's what a lot of people do want. People want choices. 
And so, you know, something like that. Vela, I think is, again, I think it's a great experiment to, to try. And if you can build up enough of an audience using Vela, no one's saying you can't then pivot to a Patreon or something else because, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, but you have to give people something up front to know what they're getting. And, yeah. and you know, especially when it comes to, you know, books and stuff like that and, and, and other media, you know, we're, we're hampered by the fact that we don't have that visual aspect that, that um, movie and TV people yeah, and, yeah. and all that kind of have. Um, you might have more so than most because you also do illustration. I, it's, it's the one creative endeavor I can't do. I can write all day. I can help with movies. I can, I can do this. I can do that. Anything visual I'm in, except I can, when you put pen to paper, you would think that like I had some kind of derangement. Um, <laughs> it just, does, it never comes out. I'm like, I swear it's a bunny. And they're like, that is not a bunny. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, you know, I, it's, uh, yeah, I, 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 it's one thing I fail at. And I'm actually so thankful for like websites like canva.com and stuff oh, like yeah. that, that yeah. help with like things like book covers and stuff, because if it wasn't for stuff like that, I would be lost that and just graphic designers in general, I would be absolutely lost. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I like Vela because I think you could just do a, the Adobe stock images and, you know, like just throw two it things doesn't together. Even, it doesn't even do images. It oh, doesn't okay. even do images. It's oh, just crazy. words. And oh, the one thing I love about Kindle Vela, the one thing I will say is they put in a space for author notes, which to oh, me, I cool. use as director's commentary. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so at the end of the story, they have a space and it says notes from the author. And I use that as a, as a catch-all basically for like, here's what I was thinking when I was writing this part, or here's what I was, whatever. Cause it doesn't seem to be a huge word cap on it. Yeah. So it's almost like you could write the story and then wrote, write the story of the story underneath it. But I think it's also a really good way to talk back to your audience when you're not sitting there with them, you know, to kind of proactively field those questions of, well, what were you thinking when you wrote, wrote this, yeah. you know, or just even a place to put your contact information is so where they can find more stuff. Well, that's you know, I mean, there's there's a lot of other stuff. I, I highly recommend just, yeah, get look into Kindle, look at what it does and doesn't do, because it might not be right specifically for what you want to do. Maybe Wattpad or something else might be better, yeah, yeah, yeah. but, you know, the fact that there there is a, uh, you know, there there is money to be made there. The fact that, they, you know, it's Amazon. So there's obviously an easier way to get people there because they already have accounts with Amazon. They already have familiarity with their, their check-in and out processes and all that kind of stuff. And that's also where most people are going to get eBooks and books. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, to put it there, logically speaking, makes sense, but it may not, it's like, it's like um, the, the reason why some people pick Indiegogo over Kickstarter or Seed and Spark over either of those other two yeah. or something like that. Like you have to look at your specific project and what you want to do and see if that, marketability of it fits that business model yeah yeah i just think like for vela like i was just listening to somebody's podcast and they're like you know like in terms of like i mean it's the same as i talked to christopher g brenning you know like he he said he sold more um audible books in like around four and a half five months than he did you know um kindle um you know and again it's a whole different audience you know kindle or paper different audience. yeah and then i think too like you know there's some people that just you know, love short stories. I mean, look at Reader's Digest, those kind of things. And I think that there is, I just personally feel in my gut that if you are somebody that can pop up really good short stories very quickly or do serials and you have an interesting story, um, you know, and, and you're an anthology person, like, I just yeah. think that, like you said, like, again, like, 
why, like I was thinking this summer, like end of every week, I'm going to come up with one short story around my, you know, fixing my novels or whatever to, to, to put on the Kindle Bella. And even if it's whatever, it's like, again, it's experience, you know, and it, it's like, it's like teachers pay teachers. Like uh, this summer, I, I had a lot of stuff that we made um, the last like five, six years, and I'm just going to create a new account and upload it. And if it doesn't make money, it's fine. But if it, it just sits up there, it will make money. If it, if I just leave it on my computer, it's not going to make any money. Yeah. It, it's a, it's the, the whole idea of like, you miss hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Exactly. You know? and, what if your short story you know, is like we talked earlier, right? What if you're just a great short story writer or people really like your characters or they really like your anthology? It's like, you know, I just think that, you know, and I think, you know, there are some stories that are episodic, you know, and that you could, you know, turn into a really good serial, you know, and I just think that, like, why not, you know, like you were saying, like, might as well shoot for it. You never know, yeah. right? You never know. <laughs> you know. And there's so many ways to, to express your creativity online now, and attempt to make a living off of it that, yeah. you know, to, to not even give yourself the opportunity to do that is a disservice to yourself. You know, yeah, yeah. And, and your potential audience, because they're going to miss out on, you know, some level of entertainment that they wouldn't have had a choice yeah. for before, you know? Yeah. So yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I mean, we're always looking for new ways to grow our audience. And I just think that, you know, like I, I know right now of four short stories that I could finish up even with my crazy schedule by the end of the month and send somebody to look at real quick. And even if it was like, you know, you or something and not necessarily an editor, but just somebody, you know, to go through or like a beta reader, it's like, I could do that and then just post it. And it's like, you know, those four stories. And it's like, well, I just think, I, I just think it's like, you know, I've listened to somebody today. They said, well, it's free money on the table. They're like, let's just say, right. Like yeah. you were talking about like 27 bucks. Now let's say that you had four stories that made you 27 bucks this month. Right. Or 20. Yeah. Well, that could already go towards half of, you know, a couple of companies that make you cheap covers. That's already yeah. a cover from one of your other books. And it's or like, pays for business cards for me to take the festival. That too. Yeah. My stickers you know? for podcasts. Yeah, totally. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. You know, or I if mean, you save so it, you have, like, to, you have to look at it as an investment in your business and what yeah. your return on investment is going to be. And it, it's, it kind of goes back to what I said before, like, what's your business plan? You know, you gotta, yeah. you gotta kind of treat it like a business if you're going to be in business and yeah. you yeah. know, it's, it's, it's tough. I mean, there's a lot to do a lot to remember and it's easy to just go, I just want to write, you know, yeah, yeah. but you know, if you're, and if you are a traditionally published writer, your job does become a lot easier, but you're also, you're paying, you're effectively paying someone else to assume the, the risk that, and, and all of the, in all of the costs up front, you are paying for it. It's just covered in your contract. Yeah, you yeah, know yeah. what I mean? Like, and you know, you're like, still expecting 100% of your yeah. royalties. You're making 40 or 60. No, yeah. You know? And you're so, also expected now. I just talked to a couple of traditional authors last week. You're still like also expected to still have your own platform and still promote it's not like it was in you know the 80s 90s you know even early 2000s no. even eight years ago even five years ago it's like especially with the pandemic and the rise of indie publishing like now you know hybrid publishing is more on the rise look at brandon sanderson right i mean that was all you know yeah. I, I mean you know it, it is what it is you know it's like you, it, you have to do it if you yeah. want to do it it's the best way to look at it is because i know that there's 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 uh people on either side of that and it is what it is and more power to him he made the money yeah, you know, really. I mean, he obviously proved that there is an audience for what he does. Yeah, well, so. and well, like I just watched one um, podcast and a couple of people I look to for marketing. And one of the guys said that his Kickstarter after Brandon did that, he said per day, just nothing actually did. Just when Brandon did that 
per day for literally like nine days for his backing went up 5.4%. It's more people are, are, are on the site and are yep. discovering exactly. projects yep. that may be listed next to it. Yep. Absolutely. Totally. I mean, and, and that, that goes to show that, you know, and, and we never, I think a lot of people don't look at things like this because uh, they look at the empty bowl and they look at the full bowl. And as soon as that bowl over here gets a little full, they go, well, that's because you're stealing from this. And it's yeah, like, yeah. no, you don't understand. If you're the guy who owns both the bowls, you win, you know, yeah. or, or in, in any case, like if you're missing the point of like, everyone's getting fed, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Totally. like don't look in your neighbor's bowl, so to speak, like concentrate on your own bowl and and you know if you need ask if you whatever this you know at the end of the day like what's good for one is good for all it's all in how you really kind of approach it and just because one person assumes some level of success there's not a reason to get pissed off at that person you know like that guy has worked for years to accumulate a following that he has he has got an opportunity to write on high profile projects that have done well there's no reason he shouldn't make that kind of money. You know, like that's expected. It's kind of like in Hollywood where they go to make a movie, right? And they, what they do is they create a package and that package of the movie is, is the screenwriter, the director, the actors, et cetera, the producers, et cetera. And all of those people that they bring in all have dollar signs attached to them. And I don't mean their fee. What I mean is this is the last movie that this guy was attached to made this much money. So he's worth at the box office, this much money. And that is how they package movies. Do you want to know why every movie has freaking Channing Tatum and Chris Pratt in it? It's because they keep making money. Yeah. You know, like, so the minute they stop making money, well, now we'll get more Zoe Saldana stuff, you know, so, you know, or whatever, like, you know, name, name an actor or actress that it does well. And another that doesn't do as well, but you know, that that's how Hollywood makes movies. Hollywood makes yeah. movies based upon that because it's a financial equation to not lose money. It, 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 it's, it's a, it, it's, it's a profit loss statement. It's not creativity. You know, you, you, we, we will continue to get Marvel shows and TV, made and t- TV shows and movies because they're popular. And Hey, I'm fine with that. I like them. I'm a big comic book guy. So more Batman movies, I'm winning. I don't care who <laughs> plays Batman at this point. I'm yeah. winning, you know, same thing with Spider-Man, same thing with all these other, like, fine you know who get me six more joker movies i don't care you know as long as i get more batman and joker movies you know like but uh the 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 financial equation of how those things get made is is purely based upon the popularity of the people involved and and you know sanderson has a track record of success and so yeah and and i mean honestly behind the scenes he's like oh i wrote these three four secret things no he probably there was probably no secret about them. He probably pitched them to someone. They said, we'll give you this. He said, take it and shove it. And then said, I'll do it myself and I'll make more money because I don't see a world where that's actually not the conversation that happened. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) That's great. I've been, I've been referencing him as the the future of hybrid authors for a long time. I think it was so smart of him to say, I'm going to do skyward and these things on my own evil librarians or whatever. And, you know, and I think that was so smart of him. I've been listening to his um, online lectures since before the pandemic started um, at BYU. And it's like, he talked about that right off the bat. And then the pandemic happened. And it's like, you know, he talked about it even more. And I, I thought at the time, right at the start of the pandemic, I was like, that's the most genius thing I've ever heard anybody say, you know, when people are like, kind of criticize him, like, oh, well, 
he's leaving money on the table. I'm like, no, I'm like, he's nope. just going to take, I'm like, and now. He, like, made, he yeah. made so much more money yep. doing this, even after Kickstarter takes their fees, even after he pays out whatever, I don't know what his um, perk levels are or anything yep. like that. Yep. Even after he pays for all of that, yep. even after he, I mean, let's be honest to do an ebook is not going to cost him anything. So anytime yep. he has an ebook that's going to go up on Amazon or Nook or any of those other ones, that's basically free. Okay. He'll have to pay a cover artist. He'll have to, and he'll have to pay for traditional publishing fees, which by the way, even if you get your stuff printed through Amazon, I will tell you right now, an author copy of saving Hitler cost me $2 and 15 cents. That's how much, if I want to buy a copy of my own book, it cost me $2 and 15 cents to, to buy off of Amazon. So let's assume he's paying that probably less because of volume. Right. Yeah, 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 so yeah. So he's going to pay pennies on the dollar for that. Everything else goes into his pocket. Yeah. And, you know, because you know, let's be honest, like we said before, he's not paying to travel to these festivals and stuff. He's invited, he's put up, he's yep. carted around, and he's fed. Yep. There's no way in hell he is losing on this deal. Yep. And the only thing that he is losing is, unfortunately, he's going to get a tax bill at the end of the year, and that part will suck. But hey, that sucks for all of us. Yeah, some so more money, his, though. This will just suck a little more. Yeah, well, and I think <laughs> and even like... then, depending on his investments and his profit yeah. loss statement and all that kind of stuff, he may even be able to defer most of that money. Yeah. So, like, I mean, you know, that's... <sighs> I think like and he's that's doing, like, and you know what he's doing? He's doing what every rich person in the world from the dawn of time has always said. If you're going to do something, do it with somebody else's money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nope. You know? <laughs> so, I mean, and look, this is me saying, I don't know anything about the guy. I don't know about anything about him personally. I know a few of the projects he's written for and stuff he's done. I'm not what I would call a fan, but in terms of like game recognizing game, oh, hell yeah. Yeah. You know, like I see you, man. I see what you're doing. And, you know, and understanding how the entertainment industry works, I think kind of at a broader spectrum, even, you know, from an author perspective. Yeah. I, I would have probably done the same thing in his, in, in his, oh, role, for sure. You know, yeah, for sure. I met him years ago. He was like right before he, I would say he became like a, like, you know, what he is now. Right. Um, he was, yeah, he just seemed like he was a really nice guy. I've heard a lot of people, you know, say the same thing. But yeah, I was like, you know, I was like, there are a couple authors that if they've done the same thing, I kind of be like, mm, okay. But with him, I'm like, okay, cool. I'm like, yeah, it's like, yeah. it just seemed like it was, it was well worth it. But yeah, I'm definitely jealous. I think that's where most people's argument is, is that they're just jealous yeah. and they just can't actually well, say it, you know. Like, the dangerous, the only dangerous part that comes from it is the people who think that if they do the same thing, they're going to get the same results. And I saw yeah, that. In, he, yeah, I, you can't. He talks and, about and, that know, all the time that online, the, man. He talks about that, like, yeah, like he yeah, he no. can do this. Like he he can put out a three hundred thousand word book if he really wants to, and people will read it and buy it. If you and I did that right now, no, like you you. He talks about author credibility. It's like you know, and like you said, like you know, like people are going to buy it, you know, and people are going to go crazy for it. It's like, but you know, he has, you know, fulfilled a certain level. Like for me, Warbreaker, I know it's one of his least popular ones, which is crazy to think about. Cause I'm like, so jealous of that book. I love that book. I want a second and third one. So freaking bad. And I loved Aloe of law. My friend and I are about to read Mistborn the first book really soon and probably both through the trilogy, you know, it's like, 
I'm like, I don't know. I just, I just think that, you know, like, again, like he said, like, you know, like I, he has never let me down. I, I love the story, you know, he's a, a workhorse and, you know, I think that, you know, you, if you and I did that, people would be like, yeah, whatever. And I think you have to be ready for that. Well, we haven't book. fulfilled our, we haven't fulfilled our end of the author exactly. reader contract. Yep. Exactly. I think there's a, there's a contract between your readership and you that you it, it's, it's unwritten and it's silent of, I promise to do this. And if you come along with on the ride with me, eventually we'll get to this. Yep. And, totally. and if he gets to that, then, you know, that he's earned the right. And, you know, I think that that's, you know, that's the same reason why, you know, people will, you know, for, if we have to look at analogs of that in the, the film industry, I'd say that that's why you get to, you know, he would be a JJ Abrams or he would be a Spielberg or he would be a, you know, or whatever. And I mean, you know, I, he, he, he he there's a there's a track record the track record works and even the stuff that he doesn't you know that doesn't work for some people or is considered to be a a flop still has the word new york times bestseller on yep. it and that, which by the way is the only goal i have for my writing career is that someday <laughs> i just want to have the word new york times bestselling author nicholas larue on one of my works i don't care what it is the great part is once you get it on one you can put it on all of them yeah, yeah um yeah. <laughs> but that that is my only goal as a writer if i happen to make money great if i if i happen to to garner an audience that you know enjoys what i do that is even better and more important to me than making money i'd like money don't get me wrong please pay me uh, but <laughs> you know um but you know i i i I'm fortunate enough where like I can write more for enjoyment than need right now and i know that sounds weird to say but like my i'm lucky my my, my wife has a, a good job. My job is to, I do woodworking. I own my own business. My job is to do that. I write, I fix the house and I take care of the dog. <laughs> That's, you know, like we bought a fixer upper and all that. So, I mean, it's not a small amount of work. I'm minimizing the work to, yeah, you yeah. know, whatever, but I'm lucky that if, you know, I stopped working tomorrow, if I got sick or something like that, we're not going to lose our house. You know, my wife makes a good you know, good living. That said, my wife gets sick or whatever. Oh yeah, we're definitely losing the house. Well, fuck. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm lucky enough where I have the time and the, 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 you know, ability to kind of sit back and, and, and think more about connecting with people and stuff like that. I don't have to work in survival mode, you know, immediately, you know, um, it, you know, that said, like, I, I'm hoping that it, eventually that time makes me a better writer and um you know and that the fact that the pressure is somewhat off i can use that to really kind of dig deep and come up with good stuff yeah you know because now i don't have an excuse yeah yeah I, so. I get that uh for that last one there uh what news updates or promos can you share with us currently all right got a lot of stuff here so um i'm gonna go i'm gonna rapid fire through it <laughs> all right so the good news is I'm going to preface everything by saying you can find everything there is to know about me and what I'm doing over at nicklarue.com. That's spelled N-I-C-L-A-R-U-E.com. I spell my name like Nicholas Cage does. Uh, <laughs> my parents did that to me. I don't know why. Um, so it's just N-I-C. Um, anyway, so uh, nicklarue.com. You can also find me on most social media. It's just at that nicklarue, um, also spelled N-I-C. Uh, and then uh, I do have a newsletter. You can sign up for it on the website or, um, you know, contact me and I can get you signed up. Uh, that is uh, comes out monthly. And that kind of gives more of the updates of 
what I'm doing, where I'm going to be, shows I might have been on or will be on, uh, stuff like that, pictures of my dog, you know, all that kind of fun stuff. And then uh, I have a podcast myself coming out by the end of March that's called uh, the Scribbling Scrivener podcast. Thank you. And then uh, that's going to be some very similar to this, like one-on-one interviews with film uh, filmmakers, God damn it, <laughs> authors. It's what happens when you do a freaking live show for <laughs> filmmakers for 10 years. You same tend thing. to say filmmaker for everything. One's on um, TV, one's in your mind. It's the same thing. Same thing. So I, uh, so yeah, so I'm going to do a, uh, I'm going to do a podcast um, for authors and kind of this one-to-one kind of conversation is very similar. Uh, you know, um, and then let's see, I have Susto coming out on Kindle Vela probably within the next week. Uh, that's another horror uh, kind of short piece of flash flash fiction, um, and that should be f- that should be fun. I, I enjoyed writing that one. That was a, a I did that during a writing sprint with a couple other authors, oh, cool. and uh, yeah, I, I was going to work on something else. And then the place where we met had no internet, so I had to kind of make something up on the spot because I couldn't access my book. Oh, um, so thankfully, I had the old uh, notepad and the phone. Um, that I, you know, I take notes on. All right. So what else do I have going on? Um, I have the Kindle. Yeah. So all the stuff on Kindle Valet, I have two stories available right now. Um, Susto going up soon. Uh, so one story is called the sound of one hand clapping. That's the kind of the Peter Pan, uh, kind of dark, you know, version of Peter Pan that I have kind of on there. I also have, uh, another one called Dead Pixel. It's actually based on a, uh, a short script that I wrote and that's the uh, psychological horror one. Um, another piece of flash fiction, uh, let's see, Saving Hitler is available now on Kindle. Uh, it's on Kindle, but it's also on Kindle Unlimited for free. So if you wanted to get it and you are an Amazon Prime member and you have Kindle Unlimited, you can get that for free right now. You can also get a paperback version of that is also available on uh, on, on uh, Amazon. Um, then, uh, oh, obviously, uh, yeah, if you do get it and you like it, please leave a review. Please also check me out. I am on Goodreads and all that kind of stuff. All the the usual places to leave reviews and all that kind of stuff. Uh, That would be appreciated. Even if you don't like it. And like I've said before, if you don't like it, eventually I will write something you do. So (laughs) stick around and eventually we'll get to something you like. I'll even take suggestions because screw it, right? (laughs) Um, You might have a better idea that's more suited to what you like and other people might like that too. And and maybe you just don't want to write it. Well, I do. So look at me go. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so uh other than that you know um I, i'm kind of I'm, I'm on a bunch of podcasts and shows uh this month and next month um but hopefully i'll be transitioning to some more in-person events i'll be updating people on that the best way to kind of keep up on that is the website and and uh the the newsletters um that's really about it i could have sworn i had more but maybe that's <laughs> it it sounds enough. like quite a bit people are tired of me now <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, so obviously our, our audience knows, you know, you can find Nicholas through the description, um, YouTube, Spotify, RSS.com. Um, so make sure you go, you know, we always put the author's uh, website first. So you can find Nicholas's website there. Uh, social media links will be there per usual. Um, you guys can also go to my website, Twitter, things like that, and go right to the website. Um, make sure you go to the Fancy Sci-Fi Fanatics podcast uh, tab right there, and you can find everything right there. Um, Nicholas, again, really, really appreciate you coming on. It was great talking to you before we started recording, uh, and during, so, you know, I look forward to, uh, chatting you up on social media, uh, things like that. You know, obviously we, we can discuss some other things, uh, privately, which would be really fun, I think, to, 
you know, collaborate on and stuff like that. So I'm really excited about that. I've been looking for a partner for a while to try some stuff with. So definitely excited there. So audience, stay tuned to get two crazy minds together. Probably get a pretty good story. So, <laughs> uh, but thank, thank you so much. Yeah. I really yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime, anytime I come talk about writing horror, you know, whatever, you know, you hit me up and we'll figure out a time and date to do it. And we'll put it up on the YouTube channel and get it on Spotify. So. YouTube and Spotify, like and subscribe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause yeah, it always helps with all the authors. So uh, again, <laughs> thank you so much, Nicholas. I hope you have a good rest of the day. And as soon as my tech guy and I double check this, I will uh, give you the green light for posting this tomorrow and I'll share the link with you, my friend. Thank you. Have a great one, man. You too. Have a good night. Take care. You too. Bye.